everybody, and welcome back to Season 7 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stockton. If the Sequelizers were here, they'd consume the English with fireballs from their eyes and bolts of lightning from their arses. <laughs> so we said just before we started, like, let's not do silly Scottish accents, shall we? And let's see how long we can go without somebody doing a silly uh, Scottish accent. I think you'll find that was an Australian accent. Oh, I'm uh, is an Australian. An American-Australian accent. That's what that was. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. I misunderstood. Yeah. You're not wrong. That accent is garbage from Mr. Gibson. We will Heck get on to that, and there's a little hint for you. I probably guessed it by now. That's the biggest hint <laughs> I think we've ever given in the intro. Bad accent from Mel Gibson. You might get it straight away. <laughs> Before we get to all of that, Robin we're Hood also... Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Also joining us, it's Tim Matum. Choose life. Choose a farm. Fuck. Choose a village. Choose a family. <laughs> Choose a fucking big claymore. Choose pressed flowers, locks, Catholicism and anachronistic tartan. Choose learning Latin, living with your uncle on a pilgrimage through Europe. Choose growing your hair out like you're a member of Motley Crue. Choose a home that's basically a pile of rocks. Choose your clansmen. Choose throwing boulders for sport and midnight shags down the glen. Choose frolicking in a meadow with your childhood fucking crush. Choose running away while your wife gets killed and wondering who the fuck you are on a Sunday morning. Choose rebelling against the English, shagging French royalty and getting betrayed by your countrymen because you're too fucking manly for diplomacy. <laughs> Choose getting hung, drawn and quartered at the end of it all, pissing your last in an English jail. Nothing more than a symbol to the royal baby that you absolutely did not conceive. <laughs> Choose your future. Choose life. But why would I want to do a thing like that? I chose not to choose life. I chose something else. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who need reasons when you've got brave heart? <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, so we're fixing T2, the sequel to Train <laughs> Oh, very good. Featuring Mel Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. If you hadn't already guessed, ladies and gentlemen, if we hadn't already given it away, Tim <laughs> gave it away there. This week, we're fixing not Braveheart, but this spin off sequel thing <laughs> that is Robert the Bruce. Good lord. But before we get to that, we need to thank some lovely patrons of ours. And if you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers, support us at a variety of different tiers and levels, and get a variety of lovely rewards and benefits, including exclusive merch, bonus episodes, extra content, outtakes, loads of silliness and bollocks that is just us <laughs> kind of joking about and doing silly voices a lot of the time. If you want to hear all of us do silly Scottish voices, you want to listen to the outtakes of this episode because it is full of that kind of shit. Matt even had a story about a uh, traumatic experience in Scotland. So uh, <laughs> you can check that out as well. If you go and support us there on the £10 tier or more, you get all the bonus content. And there are other tiers as well, including the executive producer tiers. The highest of the highs for men in particular support us at the executive producer tier. And those men are Mr. Mike Salvia. You're in the computers. Are you on the computers, son? Do you do you want the computers? Mr. Jonathan Firth Clark. Water. Pure water. Anytime I want it, day or night, free of charge. Our newest executive producer, Mr. Tyler Rogers. She's stopped the race against us! She's on the race against you, mate, aye. Aye, she stopped the race against us! And our very own Scotsman himself. 
Stuart Main. Got a question for you. What's heavier? A kilogram of steel or a kilogram of feathers? That's right, it's a kilogram of steel because steel is heavier than feathers. If you'd like to join those four gentlemen, you can go and join our executive producer tier and uh, get a shout out on the show along those guys. And yeah, go to patreon.com slash sequelizers and join us there if you're able to. We understand if you're not able to. We understand not everybody, especially in these difficult, difficult times, can't support us financially. We very much appreciate those who can and we allow us to do this show, basically. Allow us to expand, do more episodes. We've got various stretch goals aiming towards. And uh, thank you very much to all of our patrons. Again, it pays for other people to listen for free. So exactly. you are doing a, exactly. a, a genuine service. Mm. And if you can't, don't worry, people are paying for it for you. <laughs> Speaking of doing a service, this fucking a, movie. A disservice. <laughs> fuck me. There's a lot to talk about, listeners. I'm just going to put that out right now. And most of it is not about Robert the Bruce. <laughs> because, because Robert the Bruce... I'm going to say something here. I, I, I want the two of you to kind of back me up on this. Oh, okay. Is this the most boring film we've ever sequelized? Because oh. we've done, like, like for all its flaws, and it is probably the worst film I've ever seen, Son of the Mask is not boring. <laughs> yeah. There's one word you cannot use to describe that in a negative way. Yeah, because mania isn't boring because it's a constant onslaught. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Whereas Robert the Bruce, basically nothing happens for two hours, and then that's it. I think, like, <laughs> to me, as terrible as like your Son of the Masks are, in some ways it's more of a capital sin for a film to be this boring. Yeah. Because especially, like, when we're picking films to watch and, and looking at the upcoming films we're looking at, like, I always check out the runtime because... A 90-minute bad film and a two-hour bad film are incredibly mm. different feelings. Yeah. And this was a film... I watched Braveheart and Robert the Bruce pretty much back-to-back. Oh, that's an entire day. Shit. Yeah. Because Braveheart is 2.45, 2.50, I say. It's closing Nearly in three on hours. three hours. Yeah. yeah. And Braveheart felt shorter than Robert the Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Despite being an hour long. Like, I literally... Yeah. I had to take a break in the middle of the Robert Bruce because I was like... If I keep watching this film, I'm going to fall asleep. It's, um, it's the epitome of that film where you're, you're watching it for a bit and you're like, how much longer have I got left? And it's, oh, I've got an hour and 10 minutes left. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. And then you check in like 40 minutes. And you're like, oh, I'm halfway through. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've, I've got another 45 minutes left. Like, yeah. how? Oh, is time slowed down or something? Like, boring mm-hmm. films just have this time dilation effect of just, oh, God. And there is. There are, there are a couple of positive things about this film. Like I think a couple of performances are okay, but like, God, just nothing happens. And again, I like to hint at this. I'm the one writing the fix to this this <laughs> week. There are so many directions you could go in after Braveheart. And it's a small bar to step over. As I, as I often <laughs> do, I had many different ideas. Mm. This is the most boring. And to the point where we've had other stories, other films about Robert the Bruce... Yeah, <laughs> that are more interesting than the film we, Robert the Bruce. I'd like to throw a little caveat out there because I do want to make sure we're being uh, not being misunderstood. So I remember, I, I, okay, Robert the Bruce is a tricky one, partly because it was billed as a sequel to Braveheart because of, of the fact that McFadgen's in it. But at the same yes, time, Angus McFadgen reprises his role from Robert correct. Bruce from Braveheart in this film. But it's not a con- sequel. I think if it had been better, they would have definitely have said it was, but that's not the point. The point is, 
I saw it, and it's a very, very recent film. It so much so that a lot of people don't end, exist. The end of last year, I believe? Yeah. Uh, last year being 2019. Sorry, yes. End, I meant, yeah. God, yeah, <laughs> yeah we're yeah. in 2021. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I meant the end of 2019. And yes. we'll, we'll go on to this. Like, obviously, we'll do Rotten Tomatoes and stuff later on. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. the box office was like £30,000. Because yeah. Yeah. It, basically, no, it. it basically wasn't released. Yeah, and we, where it was released, nobody fucking watched it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would not be shocked if most of the people listening to this podcast had ne- did not know that there was a sequel to Braveheart. Yeah, absolutely. So, little little thing here. I didn't see it in the cinema. <gasps> finally. <laughs> That's how you know it was shit. Holy shit. We finally but, found something you won't see in the cinema. <laughs> I didn't have time, to be fair. I don't oh, right, okay. It was just a now, time thing. Here's the thing. When I saw this movie... And we would. I, I put it on the list immediately. Do you own it on DVD or no, something? No, I don't. I don't. Thank God. Film. Thank God. I know I you're a completionist, Bra- though. But like. I know I'm a completionist. Yeah, I own Braveheart, but not this film. So I saw the movie, put it on the list, and we were talking about the 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 whole what we're gonna do for series seven. This film came up, put it on there. Great, sling it on. I was originally slated to write the, the pitch, mm-hmm. and I said to Jack, Jack, I've done a lot of like old war historical epics, epics yeah because <laughs> you've done Kinda. obviously done zulu dawn to zulu land before yeah uh well 300 and stuff 300 that was the other one so yeah, um, yeah there was another one as well i feel like i got another one in there somewhere um and it was just like i've done a few of these now mm. um but it was, it was enough to make me go i've done you know, <laughs> I've, I want I've, to do different i've checked that box yeah. yeah yeah i was worried i'd um write the same pitch basically or do something like that anyway so 300 crossover fuck you. <laughs> Just make it just about it's the season how of the crossovers. I don't make the rules. <laughs> so I sent a message to the to, to you both in the chat saying, "Just so you know, this may be the most boring this fucking." Is... <laughs> I remember you saying, yeah, "By the way, it's, it's really fucking dull." Were your exact yeah. words? You need to be alert because this thing is going to kill you. Now, I want this is the caveat I want to put out. This this little little phrase I want to go with it. When we say this, we're not just being. Uh, oh, you know they're funny podcasters. They're gonna yeah, they're gonna be facetious and exaggerate yeah. for comedic oh, it's effect. Boring. Yeah. Son of the Mask watched... is the worst film ever. We know. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I've watched very slow, languid, slow burn sort of films that are rewarding and some that are not. And I would say that there's always for most of these individual sort of films something of merit. There's something in there you can say, well, yeah, here we go. And there are moments we can talk about Robert Bruce in general. But this film is painfully, it is painfully, agonizingly dull. It's, I mentioned, um, we were talking about last week, I want to say, on, on the Crouching Tiger one, we were talking about how you want to say something as a story, you want a passion, you want to, and the problem is, there's so much passion behind this film, and it's fucking tedious. Yeah, because this is a bit of a passion project for many of the people involved, right? Yeah. It's how this film got made in the first place. And it's not even the, the fucking only uh, Robert the Bruce film in the last... Two years. <laughs> I think, you know, talking about it as a passion project, it makes sense because, and, and this ties into why it is such a dull film, because you can have a very slow-paced film that still has a lot of compelling drama in it. Entirely. And the problem with this is that there's basically no emotional arcs in this film. <laughs> and I think that ties into it being a passion project because I think they were very keen for Robert the Bruce to be a great warrior and a great general who wants an independent Scotland and that's what he believes in and that so that he starts out the film like that and then by the time the film ends he's 
a great general and a great warrior <laughs> who wants an independent Scotland believes in it. And everyone who doesn't believe in an in- independent Scotland is either a child murderer or a rapist or a little boy <laughs> who just needs a dad. And that's what Robert the Bruce could be. He could be a dad to all of Scotland because he's perfect. He's perfect Robert the Bruce. And, ev- and everything that he believes is absolutely correct and his resolve never wavers. Brilliant. And that's that. not a film. That's just you saying so a, how you like fest of history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a patriot wank. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's weird because at the end of the day, it's it's the fact that it does sort of start with with what could be construed as an arc in a way, mm. in that it's the whole his his army's in tatters and things, like, mm. but it's not his fault. It's all those fucking assholes around him. It's like, yeah. no, I feel this is your fault. And it goes against, and uh, we're going to have to talk a lot about Braveheart here because we are. It's a much more interesting film. But <laughs> Robert the Bruce is so flawed in Braveheart. That's the whole point of that yeah. character, and yeah. in real life, because. Ladies and gentlemen, I've studied up on a lot of fucking history for this bitch, <laughs> and we'll get to that because it's interesting. Um, mm. He did genuinely flip sides in the the War of Independence that happened mm. in the 1300s. That's a really interesting story. That's Game of Thrones style, like yeah. betrayals and all this mm. kind of stuff. And you can I, watching it, and again, the usual thing. I watched it, and Emma watched it over my shoulder. I kept going, doesn't that look like Game of Thrones? Shack? Doesn't, that, doesn't <laughs> that look like Game of Thrones? Oh my God, that is that shot. Yeah, like, bloody hell, like, yeah, there's big, like, mm. you know, nations clashing and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And there's some real drama there, especially when the completely fucking made up moment where Robert the Bruce, like, attacks William Wallace and Wallace gets him by the throat with the knife and he just goes, meh. <laughs> no he goes, meh. And Wallace just goes, I might as well just sit down and give up. What they the just, fuck? He just starts crying. <laughs> And you know who saves him? Fucking Irish. Carry on. Uh, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. It's it's made up. <laughs> that bit is entirely made up, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert, most of Braveheart is entirely yeah. made up. We will have to cover that shit. We will yeah. talk about that, and we will talk about that in my pitch as well, because fucking hell. <laughs> uh, and uh, that makes him an interesting character. That's his, his entire arc, as you said, Tim. He has an arc in the first film, is him understanding... The plight of the Scots through William Wallace and how passionate mm. William uh, William William David, Wallace how, how passionate <laughs> David Williams is for the, for Scotland <laughs> and he he learns that through seeing Wallace being this inspiring leader and this great lover I guess <laughs> <laughs> he is it's undeniable he just stares at women until they after, have sex after with William them. Wallace has sex with Robert the Bruce then Robert the Bruce <laughs> understands the plight of the Scottish exactly <laughs> and then at the end of Braveheart. You flash forward and it's like, see, Robert the Bruce, he did come round in the end and he freed Scotland and everything was fine. And then this film goes, see, he's going to learn how to be good for Scotland. Like You already did that at the end of the last <laughs> film. You're picking up where that film finished. The, the voiceover says, and Robert the Bruce was all great and everything was fine and we freed Scotland the end. So... Does he need to learn the story from the first film again about why the plight of like Scottish peasants is important and stuff? No, he fucking doesn't. He learned that 15 fucking years ago. Yeah. This is the thing, the, the, the divide between Braveheart and Robert the Bruce. And even if we want to put it in there, just for conversational point, Outlaw King, which is the, as well. the Netflix mm. Chris Pine version of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh... She's better, in my opinion. It what? is Chris Pine. It's Chris yeah, Pine. It's it's Chris, yeah. Chris Pine. Sorry, yeah. when you said Chris Pine, I pictured another Chris. I thought, <laughs> that's the problem with all those e- fucking Chris's. Fucking yeah. blonde Chris's. Yeah. Anyway, one of the major divides, other than the fact that one is an entertaining, uh, historically inaccurate romp, uh, the other one is trying to be a fucking documentary and therefore is boring. 
even though it's also making taking liberties with the hit the truth, is that the Bruce is supposed to be the establishment. He's not a man of the people. He is hmm. always going to be a lord. He's it's always the going whole to be point of that to rule fucking it. first film. Exactly. <laughs> and then he is the same character. And this is where we get trouble with the nature of a sequel. So there are some who believe this is a direct sequel because it was sort of billed as such. Some who believe it is not a direct sequel, not even a remote thing at all. It just happens to be, in the same way that Outlaw King, it just happens to be about Robert the Bruce. And it's like, yeah, but it's not because it's got fucking Angus McFadden yeah, reprising his role as Robert the Bruce. And also in the timeline, it about lines up with him being like, exactly. Tw- tw- what, 22 years older than he would be from 1995 to when they were yeah. filming in mm. the like 2017s it's, or 2018. It's the kind of thing that if it did better, I imagine they would have done, said it's you know it's direct sequel without. Mm. But, anyway. but where, where point, the, the posters are fucking brilliant because it's usually just a big picture of a good old star <laughs> of the show Angus McFadden yeah. because everybody looks at the poster and thinks, oh yeah, I can't wait to the next Angus McFadden feature. <laughs> oh, what a, what an absolute star of screen and stage. <laughs> No offense, Angus, but come on. He's he's a good actor. Before. He's, I like Angus. He's fine, but he's not he's not, not going to be bringing in huge crowds. No, and then usually just under the title, beneath like the release date, and you know you have like the bit at the bottom. We have all like, the cast names and stuff, and like directed by so and so, and all that kind of stuff. You know that typical typical movie poster stuff. Mm-hmm. It'll be like, oh, it's been off the brain, huh? <laughs> Sorry, what? What did you say, Robert? The Bruce poster? I didn't quite catch that. <laughs> it's uh, I'm brave, huh? Oh really? Is it Braveheart? <laughs> you forgot to mention that because this is shit, and I assume you tried to get the license to say the sequel to Braveheart, and the Braveheart people went fuck right off, mate. <laughs> You're not putting that on your poster. Your film is shite. It wasn't it? Hang on, let me think. One, two, three. Was it like eleven Oscars? It was nominated for something ridiculous. Like that the Braveheart. Yes. And it was like it was. It was like one of the most nominated, and obviously won Best Picture. It, it like, won a lot of Oscars. It won lots of Oscars. Uh, four or five, I want to say, and it's like, yes. Um, I don't, I don't I think, I think it's a bit of a trades description act if you're going to now suddenly describe this movie as the <laughs> is the natural follow up. Um, but it received I, I ten do... and won five, by the way. Did oh, there we up. go. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a fucking huge haul. Mm. That's quite that's quite impressive. Yeah, it went and up also, against like Apollo thirteen and mm, the Usual mm, Suspects mm. and like other legit good films. Yeah, it wasn't like a quiet year either. And, no. and yeah. It was something of a surprise winner for Best Picture. It wasn't until it, I think it won the Golden Globe, and then that yeah. kind of gave it a surge or something. Yeah, and it's one of it's one of the few films to win Best Picture with no acting nominations, <laughs> <laughs> which fucking says I it must all. Admit, I think that's unusual because I would have said that um, the portrayal of Edward Longshanks over the first by um, Angus. Angus McFadden. Sorry, good old Angus McFadden <laughs> <laughs> playing everybody. Is this, is this <laughs> the thing show. where you like? I mean, you, you basically... keep one member of the cast, and then everyone else is Muppets. <laughs> it's Angus. The thing we keep is Robert the Bruce from Braveheart, and then everyone else is Muppets. It's Snugglepuss. Yeah. Yes, Patrick McGowan. Sorry, I thought his long checks. Was he's quite good. fucking brilliant. He's very. He's one of the um, like the sniveling English horrible bastards. Yeah, I like the best thing about Braveheart. <laughs> they are the most. Let's okay, okay. Let's talk Braveheart for a second. Please. Let's talk Braveheart, please, for the next three I... hours think Braveheart is a fantastic movie. It's very fun. It's ridiculous. It's very of its time. It has you know, not aged well. It hasn't aged well. I saw it when I was a kid. Probably, well, I've been to, I would have been probably 12, what, 13. So like, so like 2002, 2003. And I remember enjoying it as a, as a, as a young man. Sure. As a 30 year old. <laughs> different fucking story. It's like, wow, this is very 90s. And he is... Yes. 
weirdly rapey. <laughs> and it's all gone a bit weird. It's kind of like a romance film rather than a fucking history film a lot of the time. It's weird. I have a lot of opinions about Braveheart after watching it recently. I had seen parts of Braveheart, but I had Ooh. never seen it in full until oh, watching wow. it recently. Oh. Um and so I was aware of the big bits. Like I'd 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 seen the scene, like the big battle scene where they all get their asses out and stuff like that. But I was not aware Tim's like, reputation. <laughs> <laughs> Google Scottish very specific Google search chains, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I so I wasn't aware how much of it was a romance and how quite measured in pacing the first kind of hour is, mm-hmm. and nor was I aware quite how much William Wallace is basically like Mel Gibson's self-insert character in his Scottish fan fiction. Yes, he where is. he's yeah, like he's the best fighter. And he speaks Latin. He speaks all these languages. He's gone traveling with his uncle. And uh, he's got this childhood sweetheart who he comes back to. And then he saves her. And then uh, they're in love forever. But then then she dra- dies really tragically. So he's really sad. But he also gets to shag this uh, French princess. But that's okay because his, his like ghost of his dead wife still shows up when he dies. And of course, he never gives up and never surrenders. And like actually wins even though he, he loses. He screams freedom again and when he dies. He sc- screams no freedom. And then, and then his ghost wife like nods at him and is like, I still believe in you even though you've shagged that French princess. <laughs> so basically oh, I he's... Loved and also he's got, like this, like... he's got like black hair that kind of swoops down over one of his eyes but then there's like a purple streak in it and his sword is really big um, and it's magic and whenever he throws it it he's comes back to character. him. Yeah. So basically he's John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a big angel tattoo on his back. And... Yeah, yeah. He's the, yeah. he's actually half angel, half demon, and uh, he got thrown up. out of heaven for being too cool. <laughs> right. Having been in too many fucking D&D groups like this, I need to stop you, Tim. I'm having fucking flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think but you're right. Entirely. Mel Gibson stands out, literally stands out so much in the first film. It's like, oh, that's a bunch of like British actors and Irish actors and legit Scots people and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's this big fucking Australian slash American bloke who's just <laughs> like, wailing into just the like wind. 70%, <laughs> 70% more chiseled than everyone else. <laughs> everyone else has like teeth on backwards and fucking scraggly yeah. hair and stuff. He's, and he's, he's tanned as fuck. He's tanned yeah. as fuck. He's muscly. He's got like sexy pigtails somehow like it's so weird he's so out of place and it really does feel like mel gibson's fanfic of like because obviously uh, for those of you who don't know and i'm sure matt does he basically redid it with the fucking patriot years later it's like i'm mm. gonna do the yeah. american civil war and <laughs> i'm gonna be i'm gonna be a big hero and i'm gonna shout about freedom and none of that actually happened as well, just like Braveheart. Like, Brilliant. The difference Thanks, this time man. is I'll get a rocking chair and I'll win. <laughs> is that, do you die at the end? No. Nah. No, no, I, I was forced to die in the last one, but this yeah. one, no. Nah, they mate. asked me to be like president, and I'm like, nah. <laughs> Too cool to be president, mate. Shades come down. I like mate. the Patriot. I think it's quite funny. <laughs> exactly. 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 Um, when Mark so, Gibson is taking himself entirely seriously. Oh, he's, he's dead serious. Yeah. Because you killed one of the boys who wasn't Heath Ledger. I thought you were saying Christ <laughs> for a second. 
<laughs> that, that, well, I mean, that's that's his motivation yeah. a lot of the time, isn't it, Gibson? Uh, but oh wait, are you self-inserting yourself as a Christ-like figure? Oh hey, Mel Gibson, <laughs> you're in a movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, and also this character, he's like super Christian, and all the bad guys they're pagans and they're evil. <laughs> right. So he describes Longshanks as an evil pagan, as if. Yeah. The king of fucking England would be a pagan in like 1302. If if, if the king Fuck was a off. pagan, everyone would be a pagan because they would enforce it. Yeah, yeah. Every fucking law. Yeah. yeah, everyone is Christian in in medieval times. You fucking idiots. Yeah, but no, to, no, no. To a, the to good, a fault. the good guys are Christians. <laughs> yeah, the good guys, the Scots, they're the Christians. English, yeah. well-known pagans. Like, hold on a minute. I mean, I made the joke earlier, but the depiction of like Longshanks does feel like any second the witch from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves yes. is going to come around the corner and go like, yep. if you truly want to control Scotland, you must give me the child. Beware the painted man. <laughs> um, I, I, I should point out, Braveheart is a fantastically, and this is why I think it won Best Picture, it reminded a lot of the old fuckers who were voting in this sort of stuff of old romantic sweeping sword and sandals mm. sort of kind of pictures. It was a throwback, but with that sort of almost Kenneth Branagh, the Henry V style grit and blood and swearing mm. and shit. Um, You're fucked. Oh my God, I saw a penis. It's so <laughs> real. Oh. It's like, well, for the 90s, sure. No one has seen anything like that. You know, now we have like, you know, the fucking king with Timothy Chalamet and say, like, oh, mm. it's the same, but a bit darker. Yeah. Um, The point is, it is historically fucking nonsense. <laughs> However, and this is the key point here, because Outlaw King and Robert the Bruce tried to be Hugh closer to reality or cl close to the, the documented truth. But that doesn't matter because Braveheart's fun. At least it was at the time. And the one of the reasons it's fun is because it plays up to expectations and stereotypes. Longshanks is literally madly ridiculous. And the fact that his son, uh, Prince Edward, who was that Edward the Confessor, technically? Uh, Edward II? I don't know. Uh, no. no, I don't think so. I think he's just English Edward history. III. One of the Edwards. I've done Point a is, lot of research. He is not Edward the Confessor. Thank you. So Edward II is, um, again, I, I'm he not saying there aren't things because I know it's documented that he was, I believe, possibly bisexual or something like that. Who the fuck knows or cares? The point is that the way it's portrayed um, by an Irishman, by the way, Peter Hanley, is, is so effete as he's mm. so useless that he can be usurped by this mostly fucking ripped Mel Gibson. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck your French wife. And it's like, yes. She wants a real um, man. Yeah. Which even Longshanks is like, I will do it myself. And I'll like, throw your boyfriend out the window. Out the window. And apparently <laughs> Mel Gibson was really annoyed when people laughed at that in the cinema. And it's <laughs> like, watching it now, it's pure comedy beat because it, look, it, it looks it like is. something out of fucking Mon uh, Monty Python. And it it looks exactly like Monty Python. I thought yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Now, what would you advise about this situation? <laughs> it just chucks out the window. It's, and the thing is, it is very fun. And because the thing is, the other performances are being so camp. I think it's Stephen Billington. And he's he's so over the top. And it's it's very fun in the way they're like, I've been schooled in all sorts of things. Why is this man talking to me like I need his advice? It's it's just so mustache twirling, um, Claude Rains, Errol Flynn kind of yeah. shit. But again, mm. a little bit more grounded because there's blurred. And it's nonsense. In the sense that, so there's a scene that comes to mind for me, which my mum liked. My mum is now 60, 61, 62, I think. And she liked Mel Gibson because- I'm sure she did. She's a mum <laughs> and she's Catholic. <laughs> and basically- That's how it works. Folks. Yeah. Mums so love Iceland and Mel Gibson. <laughs> 
He didn't mean it when he said that. Yes, he did. <laughs> he did mean it. And that's the problem. Um, yeah. But the point is that it's like, oh, there's a great scene, and she always liked it a lot. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I read about the history, so that's bullshit. So the scene in question is that the Scots are going to fight against Longshanks, and they find out that it is a a, a what is it? It's a Cumbri Alba Air and other things. It's the idea. It's a union of people against Scotland. So yes. it's parts of Ireland and Wales and mm. the French have united God. to fight the Scots. Now, there's a comedic scene where there's a big tense running towards oh, each other. Oh, yeah. Tough to fucking <laughs> Celt against Celt action in a lot of brown Sending going on. Sending the Irish first. We shan't yes. waste our arrows. Yeah, exactly. It's literally as, as, well, they're not really people, are they? Blah, 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 blah. Arrows cost money. The Irish don't. That kind of wank. Anyway, <laughs> they're running in. It's building, because again, hate to say it, Mel Gibson's a very good director. Mm. Sometimes, yes. He can be. <laughs> and he knows how to build tension. And So you've got the things that are running to each other. Oh, fuck, this is going to be a horrible showdown. Like, Celt against Celt. And, oh, but Stephen, the Irishman said it. It's like, my island, but he's crazy. I don't fucking know. So then you get there, and then they slow down, and they all just start greeting each other's friends. And Longshanks is like, ah, Irish. <laughs> um, and it's partly frustrating because in the... St- apparently the, the anecdote behind it is that he got a load of Irish military individuals. I think this was mostly shot in Ireland. Um, a lot of the Irish military to shoot that scene. They were like military reserves in the army, basically. And when they were told, oh, you'll be fighting against the Scots with the English. And they're like, no, nah, we won't. I'm not doing it. <laughs> That's not happening. Um, like, okay, well, I might as well just rewrite it then. We'll make it have a big, big cuddle and it'll be fine. Because, you know, <laughs> Irish and English. And it's like, nah, as much as I hate to say it, there were still conscripts who were like drafted for war because it's a funny story, but it's not history. And the key thing about this movie, Braveheart specifically, historical inaccuracies, whenever you've got like whatever article or whatever a document about it, it's going to be a long, long list of stuff because it's not about what's a documented, correct, fun. It's about what's the most entertaining thing we can do in this moment. Yeah, and there's quite a few interviews with... Gibson and the writer Randall Wallace, no yes. relation. I hate to add to <laughs> William Wallace, apparently. So he claims. Yeah, because William Wallace had no children. Or did he? Um, so he claims. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and they talk about, yeah, we weren't really going for historical accuracy. We were thinking about just capturing that feeling. You know, it's all about that. It's all about the the kind of atmosphere and the feeling of it all. And I have watched quite a few videos and read quite a few articles about the historical inaccuracies of Braveheart yep. and basically all of it is what it <laughs> yeah. boils down to. Like the the years are all wrong, the people where they are at that time are all wrong. <laughs> the ages of everyone like Isabella of France is like three and in France <laughs> at this time. When when yep. Wallace dies, it's thirteen oh five. I've done my research, folks. Sure. <laughs> she's she's born in 1302 in real life yeah. and is in France. So mm-hmm. and we're like, well, William Wallace can't be a paedophile, but he needs a sexy French woman to have sex with because <laughs> reasons. So uh, Isabella of France will do. She's around about that time. And everybody went, yeah, probably. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> Was she three at the time? No, three, more like 23, more like 33. <laughs> exactly. And there's so much shit like that where yeah. you think it starts off as a small thing. And it's very much like a jumper. You like pick at a thread and the whole fucking thing unravels. Yeah. <laughs> to the point where, like me going into this, I was like, okay, there's a couple of ways I can go about this. And I like researched the fuck out of history and like, okay, 
If I line up the timelines here, I've got this. So Wallace dies in 1305. The Battle of Bannockburn, which is the bit I mentioned earlier where mm-hmm. Robert the Bruce leads Scotland to independence mm. in 1314, according to the film. So, okay. Or, or the film just fucking ignores all of that anyway, so fuck it. And I was <laughs> like, well, I can go two of, two of one ways. And you'll find out later on, listeners. Because, <laughs> my God. I, I, really, I got into, funny enough, I discovered a few new YouTubers I really like. Um, the History Buffs are a great YouTube channel. Sure. Where he specifically, a guy called Nick, looks at films specifically and discusses their historical inaccuracies. So if you like films and you're listening to sequelizers and want to know about the historical inaccuracies in some films, one of Matt's favourites, Master and Commander, he really commends because (laughs) it's all fucking fictional. Jack Aubrey doesn't exist in real life, but the actual techniques and all the like costuming and stuff Mm. is immaculately good. Yeah. Or he's like, so um Tartan wasn't used for another three hundred years. So this whole film is fucked. Like you know how they all the blue f- face paint that hadn't been used for eighteen hundred years yeah. since yeah. the Picts, and they obviously just saw a picture of the Picts and thought, "Well, they must be Scottish." And and that was the thing in the thirteen hundreds, right? It's like, no, they fought the Romans. Yeah, it, <laughs> like, it, it would be it would be like someone being like, "Oh, okay, we need some like what were they dressing like in Victorian England?" Well, they were wearing like hot pants that said like "juicy" on the back of them <laughs> and chainmail. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it that's genuine right because the, the thing is it presents what people think of scotland that's so, the thing kilts it no, just the feeling <laughs> bagpipes are banned bagpipes weren't even in scotland at that point i'm pretty yeah. sure they were still an irish thing correct um and it's like what else you, we got you lot invented them first unbelievable you're welcome yeah. um but it's it, it is are a, we though no one no, of the no, most okay. unpleasant sounding musical <laughs> instruments in the history of the world yeah take it back please no it's 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 our it's our gift to america to torture new yorkers with yeah. Um, <laughs> but no it is it's 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 impressive because the more you think about braveheart and i'm one-handed wielding a two-handed sword fuck you oh yeah everything yeah, in that his movie, sword is a one and a half sword which is like yes. a hilt that is long enough mm. to be wielded two-handed or mm-hmm. if you're a real big motherfucker you can wield it one-handed but it's a pain in the ass yeah. and he's just swinging it about yeah no worries like, also, yeah, also known as a bastard sword correct yes exactly yeah. Yeah. but Everything you can think of about this movie is bollocks. Yep. Almost everything. Five Oscars bollocks (laughs) and a huge, you know, box office return. It's a good film as far as the 90s were concerned. And I still think it's all right. Well, I I wanted to kind of get into this because it it captures, it's like you say, it's absolute nonsense in terms of like as soon as you start unpicking it from pretty much any point of view. But it manages to capture the feeling of history. And it yes. touches on a lot of things. You know, you see what rural Scotland is like. You see a bit of the lords in the kind of slightly larger cities. You see England and you see all these kind of things. And so it at least feels like, oh, okay, I get what's going on here. Even if it's not 100% accurate, I can kind of get an idea of the world. Robert the Bruce, because 95% of it is spent in a shack in the middle of nowhere, yep. even though it's more historically accurate... It feels like it's it could be set in fucking Westeros for mm-hmm. for all that it matters. Like you have bits where like the right at the end where his army shows up and it's like, well, where the fuck have you? Scotland's not that big. Like, where, <laughs> where have you been for the past? Uh, he just wants to it, hang out with a bunch of kids and be yeah, like, oh, okay, it feels so mm-hmm. it feels so unmoored in its sense of both like place and time. It's like 
wait, hang on, are we up in the Highlands? Are we near to, you know, like where there's no sense of the reality of Scotland. So even though it's more historically accurate, it feels untethered. It's very much a legend piece, in my opinion, Mm. in that it's not how things are, it's how things are recalled as legends and tales mm-hmm. in a kind of crouching tiger kind of way. Oh, well, William Wallace is seven feet tall. <laughs> Kills yeah, yeah, men exactly. by the hundreds. Yeah. I've heard. Uh, and yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's the, it's the hyper reality of it. And, and also, you have to remember, there was actually much in the same way as there was a lot of the time. That always is. There was another big major Scottish production. And if people forget about this because Braveheart won. But like, oh, you know, Wired Up. Directed by Kevin Costner, starring Kevin Costner, mm. and Tombstone, released in the same year. Um, Armageddon and Deep Impact, same year. And you have so many of these different, like, mirrored pieces, these twin pieces. Braveheart uh, wasn't necessarily up against. I think there was any they have a real clear rivalry, but there was definitely a a, a sense of one is a, an American film, one's a British film, even though they're both technically British and American releases. And that is the 1995 film Rob Roy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Point is, Rob Roy was a more historically accurate story of an actual Scottish individual mm. of biographical fame and legend and so on and so forth and blah, 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 about an 18th century cut. So obviously a much different time period. Um, Rob Roy McGregor, played by Liam Neeson. I mean, he's closer Famous than Scotsman, right? Mel Gibson to mm. being Scottish. Yeah. <laughs> and his and his, and his beau, Jessica Lang. Oh, there we are. Problem <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's fine. As a movie, it's perfectly fine, but it didn't. It, it just about made its budget back. It wasn't. It was shorter than Braveheart, but it wasn't Braveheart. Um, and it was it was nominated for some Oscars and things. Um, I think it won uh, a BAFTA. Yes, it did. Yes, it did didn't it? it was, uh, yeah, it was did. Tim Roth or something like that? Uh, best supporting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tim, yeah. Tim Roth is the best thing in that film. He is. He is. Jim yeah. Fair. He's, he's very entertaining. Tim Roth is great. Um, but that's kind of the point. Is it's it's that it was in a it, yeah two parallel films. One which was trying to give you a sort of accurate portrayal, arguably in inverted commas, of this time or a time period in Scotland. Even both have Brian Cox in now. Come to think of it. Well, there's limited Scottish actors to go exactly, with. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As I found. And if you could put Brian Cox in a film, he put put Brian, Brian Cox, Cox in a fucking film. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. I agree with that entirely. Also, as Argyle Wallace is not around very long. But I do, I do love the fact you got David O'Hara as Stephen of Ireland. I went, oh, hey, talk to the father. Uh, I was a fucking Scottish accent there, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, but he's, you know, talking to fucking Brendan Gleeson, yeah, an Irishman, Irishman yeah. about Ireland. He's like, you're crazy. And he's like, it's it's one of those things that if you know any of these individuals, you're like, this is very surreal. Yeah. And, yeah. Out. and Patrick McGowan is technically American, but he's also Scottish, yeah. I think, by ancestry. He's like, this is kind of mind-numbing. But that's or, the whole point. Almost nobody actually plays their real nationality. <laughs> no, yeah. and it doesn't fucking matter. Just swap matter. Brendan Gleeson around. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. He's because actually I, very I Irish. Like, I do like David O'Hara's... Um, oh, me too. Stephen, Ar- Stephen of Ireland is like one of the yeah. best things in that film because he's so Because he's from Glasgow. <laughs> Just basically Ireland. Obviously. But then equally, so's uh, uh, Frankie Boyle and his parents are both from fucking County Down or something like that. Mm. Or, and, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, point is, there is a very strong connection between Irish and Scottish people, <laughs> especially Northern Irish. So you can have that interchangeability sometimes and it's fine. It's if you, and as always, if you suit the character. And in the way, like we're talking about like Crouching Tiger and Dragon, we talk about Memoirs of a Geisha. The idea of, oh, hang on, it's a film about Japan. Don't use Chinese actresses and, and, and Malaysian actresses. That's a bit of a cultural insensitivity. Uh, oh, we talked, about, we talked about that with Michelle Yao. Like, oh, by the way, yes. she's Malaysian. Like, yeah. You would have no idea because we don't know the intricacies of Asian cultures and stuff. Like, she speaks Mandarin, and there you go. You just kind of assume, like, yeah. oh, yeah. And she came up in the Hong Kong cinema back in the 90s and yeah. stuff. So you're like, yeah, that totally makes sense. 
And similarly, Irishman, Scotsman, it's all the same thing. That's the thing. Anyone who sees like, Celt, just like it's a Celt, problem solved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and to be fair, I don't think anybody in Braveheart does necessarily a crazy bad performance of it. Like Peter Mullins even in it in the background somewhere. And he's fucking fantastic. He's, he's some, some like grisly motherfucking Scottish people who you think, you know, now, you know, Peter Mullen is a fantastic director in, in his own right and a good actor. But he's such a hardened individual. I was like, why don't you make him a more prominent, you know, feature thing? Mm. But, you know, you got Scott. The key thing is Scottish and Irish people are in there. Problem solved. Well done. You didn't make it all Americans. That could have been. <laughs> it's not Christian Slater and Kevin Costner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's because that was the equivalent of what this sort of historical epic would have been. The, mm. You know, the Robin Hood 90s mm. version. As it yeah. Were. And the, you're right. It, it's It's not. The, I mean, yes, it's it's Mel Gibson. There's going to be lots of blood and screaming and wailing at the sun. Well, the sky, there's no sun in Scotland. Um, and <laughs> the, the mist and clouds. The mist, yeah. yes, yeah. please. Uh, and he's like, etc. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so that speech comes in like an hour into the film. Mm. I had assumed, because I'd, again, I'd completely forgotten this from watching it as a 12 year old, like, yeah. That's the big climactic battle. It's like, no, it's the first battle. It's <laughs> yeah. an hour into this three-hour movie. Like, yep. well, obviously that big speech is like the moment. It's kind of the kickstart to everything rather than the actual yeah. climax. Like, oh, okay. But and in then, between, it's padded with a lot of quiet and moments. Of And he does oh. the whole, yeah, freedom. Everybody goes, yeah. And then he goes, <laughs> stands, he holds his sword up and just goes, classic and that shout Gibson. goes on for like 20 seconds yeah he's got a lot of freedom to shout <laughs> just, now but he doesn't say freedom he just makes noise oh no i mean he's, he's he doesn't articulate his freedom but also to be fair let's remember he's a scot he's using an english language he doesn't mm. want to be he wants to be speaking gaelic or uh gaelic is irish but point is gaelic that, yeah, yeah gaelic thank you yeah. he wants to be speaking his true naked tongue but of course Scott's he's Mel gibson so all he's got is no. <laughs> But then also, that's what makes it more terrifying, that one of the most quoted lines in this film, other than, freedom, and et cetera, et cetera, is, I love you, always have. It's like, what What the fuck? <laughs> it's like all the quiet, cheeky, Mel Gibson-y moments are like, hey, are you, you know, oh, 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 my he just, oh, he just, sta he just stares at women until they have sex with him. Yeah. Because <laughs> Isabella literally says like, oh, I cannot believe the way you look at me. Do not look at me like that. We must have sex now. <laughs> Has no one ever looked at you before? Been for like 10 seconds. Where's this come from? Uh, he's just been eye-fucking you from across the room. He hasn't. I mean, he did her... to Murren at the beginning where she just looks at him and he's just like intense staring from a distance. Yeah, Eyebrows it's slowly not... creeping up. <laughs> yeah, it's not subtle in any way, shape or form, this movie. So for no, example, if you're like, how do we convey that <laughs> Prince Edward the homosexual, as established <laughs> in this movie, homosexual Prince Edward, with his lover, I believe his name is Philip, he wants to be with him, but it is his wedding day and he's marrying Isabella of France. Well, don't worry. Who's we'll have three him. at the time. <laughs> three at the time. But Sophia, Mar Sophia Marceau was about to be a Bond girl, so it's okay. Yeah, she was <laughs> in her 30s. She was in her 30s. So he, what we'll do is they're exchanging vows. He can literally just turn around and face everybody in the <laughs> congregation, just, uh, looks past his I, father. I at fuck the, the bloke. I <laughs> fuck the bloke who's I fucking him. Like, yeah. And he can forlornly like, oh, but I'd be, I would prefer to be in your bum. And then he can look back at Longshanks and be like, I will fucking kill you. And then we know, then we know that he doesn't want to get married to this woman. 
and she'll notice as well. In fact, everyone fucking noticed. It's like, yeah. well done, Gibson. You have nailed it. The subtleties <laughs> on board. And to be fair, Peter Hanley's quite good. In this yeah, he's a great job. He's he's, good. He, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of the point. Even though it's nonsense, even though it's soap opera, even though it's theatre camp nonsense, it's fucking fun. <laughs> and it, take, it draws you in. This, this is the perfect segue, though. I cannot talk at length about Robert the Bruce. <laughs> That's the thing. You may have noticed, listeners, that every time we talk about Robert the Bruce for five minutes, we talk about Braveheart for 30. Because <laughs> there's just more to talk about. We could go on about how boring it is and how he just hangs out with that woman and her nephews for a bit and is just <laughs> like, I could be your dad. And they're like, oh, we'd like a dad. And he's like, I'm... I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'll teach you how to fight. Yeah, I'm, okay, I'm, sword. I'm the fucking king of Scotland. And I'm like, oh, but we we swore allegiance to the to the English. Oh no, my daddy's fighting the English. My daddy's fighting the English. Your daddy's dead. Like, oh, dead. And I'm your new daddy. Your dad's dead. I saw to that. Now I'm your fucking father. You you and your mother can both call Give me, me daddy now. Bread and soup. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Minestrone. Um, but as, as bad and historically inaccurate as Braveheart is, it's a, it's a thousand times the film that Robert the Bruce is. Precisely. <laughs> if Braveheart is a theme park ride where somebody shouts something at you and you think, I think I just ca- caught some Scottish trivia, but I can't make sure exactly what it was. <laughs> this is the slow history lesson with the 70-year-old teacher who keeps farting and saying, well, obviously, <laughs> back in the time in Scotland, they didn't wear kilts. They would have worn armour. And a fight in a church between Angus Matfadian and Jared Harris would have been very slow and boring. <laughs> he swiped at his feet. When, he would when have Robert jumped, fights he... John Corman, it's... God, it's slow. So fucking it's slow. like the fucking. It feels probably real, but it's fucking it's dull. Like, it's the fucking Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope. Oh, it really Vader is. battle, where it's just like, <laughs> uh, have you seen the prequels where they're doing backflips and stuff? None of that shit here. Yeah, his, his back. <laughs> it's two old, two old men just <laughs> hitting, ting, occasionally ting, pushing ting, me further ting. towards a candle. Oh, oh he yeah. kicked him. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I swung his sword again. Yep, <laughs> yep. I, I'm, I'm Always swinging again. Yep. Is there yep. a bit where Angus Mc... No, uh, uh, Jared Harris sweeps at him and he jumps over, but it's the kind of way that you, when you're six and you're trying and to sword fight, it, 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 it really low feet. so I can jump over it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this film's really badly edited as well. Oh, and yeah, the problem with like... The so open- is Braveheart. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with the opening segment is that there's about three different time frames that it jumps oh, between yeah. yes. with yes. very little indication of when you're changing scene. There were bits where it was like, hang on, wasn't he on a horse a second ago? Oh no, that was 20 <laughs> years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but we literally have no clue that that's happened. Because Angus McFadden just doesn't age because reasons. Yes. Yeah, he looks the same age and weight through the entire film and it's like... <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't. Did you try and make him look younger? Because you can make him look a bit younger. You can do yeah. something. Not even, not even with like a super MCU de aging CGI, but yeah. just fucking makeup. Just fucking spray up his temples when he's in the twenty nineteen. For God's sake! Thought they did this in nineteen ninety seven when they're like, oh, we need to make him look old. Like, no, he's legit old now. Just make him look a bit younger and a bit older. Dye his hair and undye his hair for fuck's yeah. sake. Shave a bit of his beard. Just show time passing by the length of the cunt's beard. That's how you do it. That would imply a plan. Well, there you go, yeah. I love that they, they make sure to include the kind of um, the the folkloric part of the Robert the Bruce, who obviously was a real person, but there's like yeah. this kind of, uh, yeah, sort of 
folklore quasi-historical tale about him sheltering in a cave and watching a spider slowly spin its web and then the wind kept, keeps blowing it down and he he decides like oh I've got to be like the spider and it, this film it feels like he's sheltering in that cave for about three weeks <laughs> and it's like it's it's just such a dumb lesson for having a character to learn. It's like, oh, if I want to win, I have to keep fighting. Let me put that in my notebook. Okay, don't just give up. The thing keep you've fighting. learned at he the end of Braveheart. Yes. Be here's a, here's a, here's a like you know Celtic moral of a thing. It's like, um, you notice it's the the cave where the spider's spinning his web, and he keeps thinking to himself, you know, no, be the fucking wind. <laughs> That's what you be, not the spider who gets battered and keeps getting up and failing over and over and over. Be the fucking wind, you dickhead. It's like, no, ah, I will be the spider. And and you're right, it, it probably does come from a definite, probably you know, historically accurate folklore over time. What he mm. was in the cave, but again. That's not entertaining. And I'm not yeah, saying it can't be done. Thing. I'm not saying you can't do that kind of stuff. Because again, cinema has proven you can have a slow, uh, meandering plot even and still go, fuck me, that was so powerful. Yeah. Mm. And I don't feel that. I feel this is a guy who's lost his fucking car and he's just <clears throat> in the countryside looking. Please, his horse. Con- nope. I refuse to believe this is a period piece. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just literally just walking around and he's like, Sure, this is somewhere. just real Angus McFadden after a night out in Scotland. Pro- just get, get stuck, well, in, well, stuck in a cave for a couple of weeks. In, in fucking Montana, you mean, because it's not filmed <laughs> in Scotland, and I couldn't <laughs> get over that. To be fair, to Braveheart, they did legit film it in Scotland. Yeah. Scotland and Ireland. They wanted, in, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the point. It was filmed on location, as it were. Um, I'm not saying that Montana on the area can't look like you know the, the wilds of Scotland. I'm like, I mean, it true. can't, though, can it? But yeah. Scotland, like the actual Scottish countryside, it hasn't fucking changed much. Yeah. It's still rugged and evil and bastard hell. Yeah, I know not to reference Game of Thrones again, but there's a reason they film in Ireland and Scotland for that shit as yeah. well. It looks because medieval pieces imposing. Look like that. That's what yeah. it looked like a thousand six hundred, five hundred I mean, years ago. Skyfall was filmed in fucking Scotland. And, and these and I've as, as someone who's been there, it's Beautiful as it is daunting and imposing. It's terrifying. I'm like Highlander. It's a really vast, unconquerable kind of land. Because as much as Scotland is it's not huge, but it's big. But it's it's tricky to navigate because it's treacherous. And that's kind of the point. And it speaks to the people who live there. I'm not saying they're treacherous. Um, because of the <laughs> idea that you have to you know, be a, a hard-weathered individual to survive those conditions. And whenever there's like bad weather in England, it's always Scotland. Sorry, in the United Kingdom, it's always Scotland first. And the idea that it's like, oh, turns out there's a real gale, real blizzard heading in. It's like, is there? Well, no, not for you. Not not down (laughs) south, there isn't. Barely in the north, but in Scotland, ten people are dead. Why? They're blown off a cliff. Jesus. Because they went out wearing kilts. The mad person. But yes, uh, so so Robert the Bruce feels like the anti-Braveheart. It's trying so hard to distance itself from the 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 hyper legends. I can't wait to think what you to, to hear what you think of my pitch. <laughs> oh, well, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. We'll get to that. But definitely. It also distances itself from the fucking charm and the energy and the passion in yep. a weird way and the fucking fun. It yeah. it makes it everything about this movie. It doesn't even. <sighs> Just to draw a very simple parallel, very quickly, I'll come back to it again, I said in a minute. Outlaw King tries to do the same thing as Braveheart, it try, but but with an element of the Henry V style, it's kind of more gritty, but from a Game of Thrones audience. And even that's quite boring, if I'm honest. 
It is. And a little it's bit better. It's better than Robert the Bruce. It's but, better. It's a uh, lot. Yeah. It's a damn sight better, but it's still like a fucking yeah. three out of five <laughs> max. Agreed. And you see Chris Agreed. Pine's penis. There's a reason in and of itself. <laughs> Robert the Bruce, no penis. Braveheart, tons of penises. That's true. Yeah. Penises are the reason these films are good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> penis quotient. Shit. Hold on. Let me rewrite my pitch. <laughs> More penis. I mean, I think that's like, I don't know if this is for historical accuracy, but as I was watching Robert the Bruce, like it starts off, there's a group of three people who were there when he, he has his fight versus his terrible fight against Jared Harris at the beginning. <laughs> yes. And then there's three people who are chasing him. And I was like, oh, okay. So it's going to be these three chasing him down. And it's like, you know, it's, it's this kind of bleak, um, almost like Cormac McCarthy type thing of like one mm. guy being pursued by these group of three hunters. I thought the same thing. That's and what then I thought as well. After about 25 minutes, he defeats two of them and then runs yep. off. And it's like, oh, okay. So this last one, who's the really shitty one who like killed a boy, mm-hmm. he's going to team up with these he's other guys. The real and he's going to be, yeah. oh, no, he's dead as well. <laughs> so now it's just this other group of people hunting him. And they turn out to be one of them's, you know, related to the, it's the, woman who he's sheltering with f- former husband's brother who now wants her to be his wife it's like could you not like yeah. maybe this isn't historically accurate but could you not conflate those two groups so that there's a consistent villain that's chasing yeah. him across the entirety of the film like why have this one group of people at the start and then kill all of them off and then bring in this other group who are basically the same yeah, and I think that again, I don't know if that comes down to like just amalgamating any form of biographic, sorry, biopic mm. as it were, where you've got legends and you just condense individuals into one person. So it's like, well, this would have been five people, but we're going to condense their experience into one because mm. at Very the time, the running fact films do. All yeah. the time. But at the same time, it's it's weird because there are so many people from various television shows in this sort of thing. There's some people from um, from Vikings, for example, and, and, mm. and Zach McGowan specifically is from Black Flag. No, no, no. Black Sails. Black Sails is a game. Uh, Black Sails. And, and Black, Shameless, obviously. And Shameless, yes. He's, he's <laughs> Black, in quite a few Black things. Fa- Black Flag is a band. Yeah. And um, I don't mind Zach McGowan in a way. He yeah. is. Zachary Brendan McGowan is quite <laughs> Irish. Um, he's New York Irish. But because he's tanned as fuck and has this almost swarthy French sort of look to him, he doesn't mm. look quintessentially what you would assume an Irishman looks like. So him being cast as a Celt, I don't have necessary problem with. He is one of the gruffest voiced motherfuckers, however. <laughs> <laughs> Which I assume that's why he was cast in the American Chambers, because he's I just... played a pirate. Yeah. Which pirate he played in Black Cells now, which is gonna bug me. But um It was Charles Vane. Charles uh, Vane, of course, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. But he plays is it Brandov in this one? I can't remember he plays now. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. And again, every time you feel like you're gonna have an actual adversary an antagonist to Angus McFadden, you realise the only antagonist is in fact the plight of this Scottish lord who feels he's entitled to rule Scotland, <laughs> not being able to rule Scotland because of either the English or the Scottish. But it's not his fault. And that's the key <laughs> point. It feels like someone defending their fucked up dad. And you're like, it's not his fault. It's, a, it's definitely his fucking fault. No, it's but, all but, his fucking fault. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It feels, Robert the Bruce feels remarkably like a session of Dungeons and Dragons where you've only got one player and <laughs> you're like, they've, oh, okay, you have this fight and now you're injured. Um, but you're, you're, the rest of your, ga- uh, the rest of your, you know, team of adventurers is in the next valley over. Um, and they're, they're just waiting for you to, to reunite with them. It's like, 
oh well, I'm I'm injured. I be- I better take I better take a rest before I go meet up with them. Well, okay, yeah, you take you take a rest and and then they meet up with you. you well, aren't there aren't there aren't there people chasing me? Yeah, I get okay. I guess well, once you've once you've had your rest, they 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 will do a combat and then okay, okay. Well, one of them survived. What's he up to? I don't know. I guess he meets up with some other people who are chasing you. Okay, well, I'm going to go take a rest again because I'm a little <laughs> bit injured from that fight. And it's like, no, those just fu- get those fucking D and D players. Your party, the D and D players that insist on a long rest after yeah. every combat. You're yeah. in a dungeon. You can't sleep. Oh, we haven't got many hit points. Tough. That's yeah. the point. You're in a dungeon. Stop <laughs> sleeping. That does sound like an extremely on the nose uh, synopsis, shall we say, of Robert the Bruce. Especially the yes. opening. The, the opening Robert the hour. Bruce, subtitles, Stop yeah. fucking sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I quite, I quite like this family of NPCs you've come up with. Like, I, th- I feel like they're quite compelling. They're not really. I just like, I literally pick names out of this list of big names <laughs> and assign them one character trait each. The yeah. girl is an archer. Boy is a blacksmith. Other boy is sad. There we go. Yeah. Um, what are they called? Morag. Why yeah, not? Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to hang around with them, and I think I'm. Gonna, I, I want to learn how to be a farmer. It's like. Jesus Christ. Okay, well, now people are coming to attack the farm. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'll form them into this little squad to defend myself. Oh, my God. Can you not you just forgot, go and you, find you your army? The, the girl was an archer. See, I've got allies now. Yeah. 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 The boy's a uh, blacksmith. Isn't, isn't... That means he can fight. It's like, no, it doesn't. I, I, <laughs> I, do, I, think, I think you've nailed it. I do, I do genuinely think you've, you've got the whole, like, it, it feels very lazy almost, or, 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 or much of the same way, like, oh, what do you think about Scotland? Get bagpipes and kilts. Well, they don't work, but we'll put them in there anyway. There's like, what do you think of these this family? I don't fucking care. We've got a, this whole story to tell about this this man yeah. who will be the king of Scotland. The, you know, it's like, yeah, but if you don't relate to the people, no, I know what you're saying because I agree with you. You have to relate to the people to understand the conflict. The and that's- he's not with these people. What are they called? Uh, Morag. Okay, very cliche, but sure. What else? What's the kid called? Scott. <laughs> Sorry, Scott the <laughs> Scott. <laughs> Literally called Scott, ladies and gentlemen. Are you off your fucking nun? And the frustrating thing is, like, at no point do they, the, like, the one, like, Braveheart is a pantomime, okay? But yes, yeah. They make the English, but like, they introducing stuff like Prima Nocta to make the English not a real thing, it, by not the a way. real thing, but it's no. still it's a scary bad guy thing. But it's but it's also the thing of like, yeah. The English have been bastards throughout history. I don't mind you putting a little bit of spice on it to make it more cinematically. You can't make us look any worse than we do in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We know. So that's fine. But Robert the Bruce has almost nothing about the English oppressing the Scots, and there's at no point does Robert the Bruce articulate like Scotland should be free because of X, Y, Z, or really even the only person who is like scotland shouldn't be free is is scott the child who is like <laughs> my dad died fighting for you and i am sad and he's like mm-hmm. ah but we've got to fight for freedom and scott goes oh okay and i guess you're my new dad now there's never any kind of examination of like okay well what does freedom mean like how does how what does freedom mean for a commoner versus what it means for robber as a as a nobleman? Like nothing, yeah. none of that, none of that territory there, ever explored. There is a distinct lack of politics, and if you've met a Scottish person, that is not <laughs> a fucking thing. And even if you, and I don't mean like, oh, they will just have a discourse with you about the nature of politics. No, no, no. Everyone has a fucking opinion. Yeah. And the problem is Robert the Bruce doesn't seem to have one other than he's a bit fucking tired. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> that's not enough. And anytime you see, as Tim has nailed it entirely, it's it's like, what's the plight? What is the problem with England? I mean, what what is this oppressive rule? Explain it to us. Show it to us. You've already seen Braveheart. 
No, no, no. Pretend <laughs> I haven't seen Braveheart because you keep saying this may be or may not be part of it. Show me the problem. It's well, because Robert the Bruce thinks it's a character study. Yes. There's not much of a character to study. Yeah, His and if you, is, he's great, but he needs to sit down. Yeah, and, and some of the Scots you, are bastards too. Like, and oh, if you oh, haven't fantastic. seen Braveheart, you're fucked because yeah. you have no idea what is going on in the bigger picture. So the incredibly historically inaccurate bigger picture. We should also point out the the sort of very one of the not last but latter points, shall we say? Outlaw King. Outlaw King is directed by David Mackenzie. He is, as it probably sounds. Scottish. Mm. Um, and he directed Hell or High Water. Fantastic fucking movie. Starred up, fantastic prison movie. He's a very good accomplished director. And even he, with the film with, you know, Mr. Yes, Chris Pine, and uh, what's his name? Aaron Taylor Johnson, if you other people Florence Pugh. Lawrence Pugh. Exactly, Florence Pugh. There, there are British and American people in it, and all the different things. Uh, Tony Curran's and it's your all right, that kind of thing. It's like, here you go. He's a Scottish <laughs> guy. Um, and, Jay, uh, and James Cosmo's in it, because James Cosmo is in most fucking things as a Scot. He's great. He's, he's, he's a really nice fucking guy. Anyway, so a Scot has wanted to tell the story about Robert the Bruce for so long, tells it with a Netflix budget, and it is fine. It's fine. It's fine. And then you've got this other Scot who is desperate to tell the story, Angus McFadden, and he's like, to so the point that Andy, Angus McFadden's name is spelt wrong in the credits in Braveheart, but let's not worry about that too much. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got a wire. It's a bit tricky, isn't it? <laughs> well, no, because I think they mess up the Mac and Muck business. But they do, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so this one is directed by a guy called Richard Gray, and they, I'm not slating new or first-time directors because I don't think it's fair. I think everyone has a learning curve, etc. So this guy, he's a 40-year-old Australian dude, and he kind of hasn't directed anything of specific note. That's not the end of the world. That doesn't actually mean you can't direct the best masterpiece. Everybody's first big hit is their first big hit. I mean, if you talk about, you know, Martin Scorsese's films before Taxi Driver, if you talk about um, Steven Spielberg's before Jaws, yes, there are interesting things there, but if you just said, these are the films I'm basing off, in the same way we do with, with when we pitch a, um, a director, we say, they've done this, and you're like, yeah, is that enough to really, you know, make this work? Like, well, he goes on to be this person. Oh, but obviously we don't have the hindsight of that. But Richard Gray kind of hasn't done a lot. Um... If I remember correctly, he's done like mostly like a lot of like reality TV things. Um, yeah, he's known for his reality yeah. TV stuff. And it's and not a like of his thriller films a few years ago. Yeah, but, I don't think yeah. I think I think Sugar Mountain is meant to be yes fine if I remember correctly. But again, it's not a bad thing. It's, it's you know you're building your 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 uh, skill set. You're building your quiver for your bow, as it were, um, and that's fine. However, I think he brings absolutely nothing to Robert the Bruce. I don't know if that's um, now. Again, I'm purely speculating here. Now, this is complete uh, uh, hypothetical nonsense. However, this movie has one credited producer, and that's Angus McFadden. <laughs> <laughs> it is written or co-written by Angus, Angus McFadden. McFadden. Yeah, it stars Angus McFadden. I feel like he is a director who turned up and was very much like, okay, I'll I'll do this. And Angus McFadden said, hmm, I think maybe. Robert Bruce, we should go with this. <laughs> he went, uh, yeah, okay, well, yeah, all right, we'll give that yeah. a go. Yeah, we'll give that a go, mate. That's a good idea. We'll we'll try that. Good. Okay, let's start the scene. While I eat some soup, it's <laughs> a like, great another soup scene. <laughs> like, <laughs> another compelling soup scene. Yeah, <laughs> and and the thing is as well about McFadden as a as a as a system, he played James Murray 
uh, two years before prior in a film called The Lost City of Z. And now this is the key point here, Lost City of Z. I want my last sort of comparison. Lost City of Z is done by a director called James Gray. Uh, as far no as relation. Aware, no relation because he's from New York. But yes, no relation. James Gray is a fucking great director in my opinion. And he's a good director in doing a very timeless sort of older kind of throwback to 70s cinema of this really slow paced exploratory kind of thing. And he did Ad Astra and Bears Bits and Pieces, but he did Lost City of Zed specifically. And Lost City of Zed is a very slow historic piece. And it's about two hours, 20 minutes, I want to say maybe, uh, about uh, Percy Fawcett, who's a British officer played by Charlie Hunnam, who goes off to Bolivia and Brazil, and he's going up the Amazon, all that sort of stuff. And he goes there with Robert Pattinson and eventually his young son, which is Tom Holland and things. And it's really fucking slow, okay? And it's you feel like you're on this, this you know, years-long expedition. And at one point he goes back with James Murray, who's this... Um, uh, renowned explorer played by Angus McFadgen. And he gets there and all, after all his stories, all his boasting, he's this fat, overweight, cowardly bastard who holds the entire things up, eats the supplies, gets him in so much fucking trouble. He, 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 he has him, him thrown out of the elite thing because he said he was deserted. Now the point I'm getting at here is Angus McFadgen is a good actor. He commits to that stuff. He did a great performance there two years prior. I don't understand how Robert the Bruce is so boring and flat yep. and dull and tedious and forgettable and yet torturous. <laughs> and I know that sounds like a hyperbolic description of these things, but the Lost City of Z is a polar, op a, a dividing one, a div divisive one, I should say, because it equally could be described by a lot of people as, eh, it's boring, it's not for me. Fine. But it's not a boring film because it's very competently made. Robert the Bruce isn't that, and I have a real problem with that. And then you start analyzing. The problem is the more you stay with it, because you've got nothing else there, you end up looking at things like the score and the cinematography and the production design. And you start thinking, none of this feels good. This all feels very made straight for DVD, which isn't necessarily a problem. But fuck me, you're coming off the back of Braveheart, for God's sake. Yeah. And you're not even the only Robert the Bruce for much in the same way. This is yeah. the first big Scottish film, Robert, Rob Roy and things back and forth. You've got to do something big. And your big thing was, we've got the guy who went, hey, when his helmet was taken off by Mel Gibson. Yep. So basically what I'm trying to get to here is, I don't want to insult Mr. Chambers in any way, shape or form. How rude. Any fucking thing you write down <laughs> is going to be a goddamn win. <laughs> I, spoiler alert, mine has more fun and characters in it than Scott the Scott. <laughs> Well, you know what? You don't and know shit about Scotland then. Also you don't even know shit. Spoiler alert, lots of Scottish people in it. So. Oh. Mm, a little tease for you. Oh, maybe like Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> I was very tempted to bring back Donald Gibson, but not Mel Gibson. <laughs> bring back his brother he casts and stuff for that some reason. Funny. We're going to bring in Clint Howard. It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, you're doing what? <laughs> We wanted a more realistic Robert the Bruce, and uh, what's more realistic than Clint Howard? This week is once again sponsored by Stitcher Premium. If you subscribe to Stitcher Premium, you can listen to all your favourite shows ad-free, and you even get exclusive episodes and bonus content with some favourite shows. You can get comedy albums, Stitcher originals, all the extra stuff included for just $4.99 per month, or if you subscribe annually, it's $34.99 per month. 
You can go to stitcher.com slash premium and sign up and use the code SEQUALIZERS, spelt how it is on your podcast app of choice, and you'll get one month absolutely free. So that's 13 months of fantastic podcast listening premium access for just $34.99. It's a bargain. What, we, what was your phrase, Tim? We can never remember the cool slogan you made up like six weeks ago. <laughs> it was really good. And we're like, yeah, that's great. And we haven't used it since because we forget. <laughs> no, it's vanished out of my mind. Yep. It does every time. But Stitch is great. Go listen to them. Stitch Premiums, even better. And this week's episode is also sponsored by Ubico. I want to tell you about Ubico. They set a new world standard for simple, secure logins, preventing unauthorized access to computers, servers, and internet accounts. The YubiKey from YubiCo is a physical security key using two-factor authentication to protect your accounts. As more of us continue to work from home, it is more important than ever to protect your secure information. So what can you do to protect your accounts? YubiCo is offering our listeners $10 off the next purchase of $100 or more using the code POD, that's the code POD, P-O-D, at yubico.com. Say hello to YubiKey and goodbye to account takeovers. You be free. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be gay freedom. <laughs> You'll f- f- find your freedom from internet not security. <laughs> internet insecurity doesn't have quite the same ring to it. Do you know what makes me feel fucking secure? Freedom. Freedom from, from the English. English always spying on you. Use your key. Over to you, Tim. So, for our Rotten Tomatoes this week... I have got a Scottish smorgasbord. Oh, here we go. Haggis joke, insert here. <laughs> uh, and I thought, let's let's go in chronological order of release. And so okay. we're starting with Rob Roy. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> Jack, uh, Jack, 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 let's start with so, you. I've seen bits of it, but not the whole thing, I think. I think I've, I think I've seen the second half. I thought it was not great. Mm. Uh, so I am going to go for pulling it out of thin air 60% okay Matthew so here's the thing I have a theory Uh-oh. so I'll explain my theory in a minute I'm just going to say 75% Ooh. okay now we jump to seven months later <laughs> And Braveheart. I mean, the timelines don't make sense anyway, Tim. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> none, of it, none of it makes sense. Let's go with Matt first this time. Braveheart. See, now we get to my theory. I think Braveheart and Rob Roy had the same critical acclaim. Oh, wow. But the people liked Braveheart more because it was fun. So I want to say 75%. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. And I don't know if that's true. I, 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 I genuinely feel that it was like, it would I make remember a, lot of a sense. critical thing, like a, a um, Barry Norman sort of thing. It's like saying on TV, it's like they're kind of the same film. They're both <laughs> fine, except one is more fun mm. because it's more bloody, and the other one's kind of more dull, mm. but still good. I'm going to go Jack. slightly higher for Braveheart. Mm-hmm. I will round up to a nice eighty percent, please. Okay. Because I think it's critically acclaimed. It won some Oscars, but not everybody loves that film. Now we jump forward in time. Oh, God. To the future year of 2018. Here we go. <laughs> with Outlaw King. Oh, interesting. Okay. Jack, what's, what's your thoughts there? It's, it's boring, but it's better than Robert the Bruce. <laughs> it's fine. Again, I looked up the historical accuracy of this film, and they completely fuck up the final battle, apparently. Of course. <laughs> the whole like premise of that final battle where they come up with a formation and stuff, it's just like, that's not how that worked. Anyway, <laughs> no. 
Um, I'm wondering if it's kind of around that similar sort of 60 to 80% kind of like mm. upper mid quartile kind of thing. You know what I mean? I will go, let's go 70 per, nah, that seems too high. 60, 63. Let's say 63. Okay. Just randomly. Matt. See, I'm torn. Um, I, I really want to just say 75 again. But I don't, 75 across I don't, the board and you'll get a clean yeah, sweep somehow. <laughs> Robert the Bruce, 75. Um, oh, God, no, if I don't, that film's I don't, 75, we'll, we'll be having words with we'll the problems, tomatometer. Yeah. Three reviews, all Angus McFadden. <laughs> One of them didn't like it for some reason. Um, right, so I, I I don't think enough people saw it or gave a shit about it because it's Netflix and things for it to do well enough to get 75. So, But it's it's not... Crap. So, what did you say? Sixty-three. I Jack? did. Yes. For 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 patterns alone, let's say sixty-five. Fair enough. Okay. Knock it down by ten. And Matt, Robert the Bruce. No fucking way. Is it seventy-five? <laughs> Fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Actually, fuck it. Yeah. Fuck it. Fifteen. Wow. Yes. Wow. Because nobody. I can't imagine a lot. I don't think it's a full-on egg. But I don't imagine a lot of people had good things to say about it. But I would guarantee. YouTube or some motherfucker somewhere has said it's a great movie. It's not your <laughs> average kind of thing. You, you but, and I oh, talked. It's... You and I talked about that very YouTube review. Oh Matthew. yes, of course there is. Yeah. Yes, of, yes, we thank had you. a yes. conversation about this before. Oh god, I forgot. About there this. was that yeah, Scottish guy who was like, "Oh yeah, Angus McFadden's charisma really comes through on the screen." <laughs> yes. <laughs> what film were you watching, motherfucker? That was clearly buried in my fuck. That was an Inception moment. Yeah, it was buried in there somewhere. It's like, yeah, I was that like, was yeah, a you're repeating the exact words of the guy yeah. from that YouTube video we watched. God, because that's that's right. Because he was saying like, it's 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 not it's not really a sequel to Braveheart. Yes, it is. Uh, but uh, <laughs> if you go in with the open mind, you can really enjoy the Scottish feel of these fucking American mountains. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. Yeah, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say fifteen. Okay. Except for that one guy. I I would like to go for a big fifty percent drop off. So down from 80 of Braveheart to 30 for Robert, please. That sounds very realistic. Yeah, would, that's, that's what I would... I don't, does not deserve it, but I think that's what it probably would be. I most. agree. Well, I think you're going to have some surprises here. Uh-oh. Oh, we're going to find out the highest rated one is fucking Rob Roy <laughs> or something. For starters, it's not a clean sweep. Okay, good. Okay, good, good. Okay. good. Bit of competition. Um, starting with Rob Roy. Jack, you said 60. Did. Matt, you said 75. Mm-hmm. 73. Fucking hell, well done, Matt. Holy so you are more, or, shit. Or very close. Well done, Matt. Very close. I mean, again, to, to clarify, it was a 90s prestige sort of historic yeah. drama. It just happened to have another big Scottish film at the time. Mm-hmm. It would have done better if it wasn't for, you know, Braveheart. <laughs> Braveheart, speaking of. Yes. Jack, you said 80. I did. Matt, you said 75. I did. One of you was 2% away and one of you was 3% away. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, shit. But it goes to Jack because it was seventy-eight percent. Oh yes. See, that's the thing. It, it's it's totally the kind of thing. Is it, oh, Braveheart five Oscars did like mm. three times its budget yeah. on a, on an R-rated movie. Basically, that's crazy. And it's like not a lot of people got on with it. And <laughs> even now, people go, no, it's not historic action. It's nonsense. Mm. It's it's you know it's fantasy shit. And even the user scores are not that divergent for them. Seventy-five for Rob Roy, eighty-five for Braveheart. For the for the for the public. For the public. Interesting. Very interesting. So jumping forward in time, Outlaw King. Interesting. Again, you were very close together on guesses. Yeah. Jack, you went sixty-three. Matt, you went sixty-five. Yeah. 
Jack, so 64 will be Jack right, gets so. this one, 61%. Oh, we're Ooh. really close. We're doing yeah. well. Yeah. I, I, I'm okay with that. That makes sense. I, can, I think we, we, we knew. We're doing good, man. We're yeah. doing good. Now, Robert the Bruce. Uh, I can Matt said 15. It's got to be the lowest. It's got to be the lowest. Jack I want said it to be 30. Right. I, think Jack, I think you're going to get it, Jack. It is the lowest, but oh, it no. still has 44% Fuck on Rotten me. Tomatoes. I'm sorry, 44 and That's far too it far. has a user rating of sixty-six oh, no. oh, percent. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? How many? <laughs> what are these? Not, how many what? people are we talking about here? There we go. If I it's will have more to... than ten. Sorry, Tim. Is I it Angus McFadden and his fake accounts? Yes. Angus McFadden, Morag McFadden, Scott <laughs> McFadden. <laughs> he's called Scott because he's Scottish. <laughs> Englishman Jones, bad review. Boo, don't like it. Oh, well, he doesn't count. What a bastard. That's fucking crazy. And wrong. <laughs> fucking hell. So we, we're saying it's a 30% drop. Yeah. Uh, give or fuck take, yes. Me. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I would I would be putting it some probably Wait. somewhere between the two are of we you. Saying, are we saying Robert the Bruce, and by we I mean the the mm. highly flawed, highly flawed Rotten Tomatoes, is just as good as roughly all the Blade movies yes. and the Mummy movies. Yes. Almost Fuck as good as Blade bin. 2. Fuck so that, off in a bin. That is 44% with 52 critics. That's a lot. That's crazy. <laughs> and 66% with 176 user ratings. If you feel that you have seen this movie and thoroughly enjoyed it, please tweet at us. We would like to hear from you so we can... Blade, just Blade 2, you with... a film I legitimately enjoy, and I think all three of us legitimately enjoy. And rate, critically is 57%. <laughs> Fuck me, it's man. It's barely higher. <laughs> so here's oh, uh, no. Nell Minow of RogerEbert.com oh, says, Robert the Bruce is gorgeously filmed by cinematographer John Garrett, making the most of e- every exquisitely lit crag of the Scottish countryside. It's not in fucking oh! Scotland! <laughs> Looks like you're talking shit! <laughs> Guess that guy is not Scottish. <laughs> Fuck's sake. So, Scots, write in with your opinions. Yes. I know you want to. Please don't. <laughs> we've, got, we've got Scottish listeners, I know we have. <laughs> here in the Discord. You can't not have the, the opinions. Including our aforementioned EP, Stuart. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jack, how are you going to fix this? What are you going to do? Where are you going to set it? Where are you going to film it? <laughs> Is there going to be more Mars? soup? Uh, soup? 110% more soup. Soup heart. Film, filmed in <laughs> Scotland. Because the heart of a great yeah. soup is a great stock. A uh, Scotch broth. <laughs> exactly. Soup is for bastards. It's <laughs> all about the broth here. Prepare to hear a lot of Scottish people, because there's a lot of oh, Scottish shit. people in this. So, I'm Sean doing on the 20-year anniversary of 1995. I'm releasing this film in 2015. Okay. Before Robert the Bruce, no particular reason. It just everybody's timelines lined up quite well, so... Twenty-year anniversary, nice little thing to title together. Title, and I'm not in love with this title. uh, You'll see why it kind of works. Kind of stealing a previous title that I did, but whatever. It's got Braveheart in it, which is a good start because the Bruce. You don't know it's a Braveheart thing. Just just like just like the two Jakes. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of similarity between those two films. Weirdly enough, yeah, yeah. Very true. Very true. Robert the Bruce is worse. I'm going for Braveheart Legacy. Mm. 
obvious fucking sequel subtitle. I know mm-hmm. nothing What's inspired, your other nothing interesting. Legacy? Tron. I kept Tron Legacy. Oh, that's well, that's fine. Yeah, that's, that, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking what else you used Legacy for. I, I changed that Tron and then changed it back because yes. again, multiple pitches. Jack writes a thing and then renames <laughs> it and then rewrites it again because I'm an sure, idiot. Sure. So. Bring in a director, and this will be a very interesting conversation because it's a kind of like, I can see them doing it well because I like their films kind of thing, but this will be the yeah. first time they're doing this kind of historical kind of thing. Of course. The step is always there eventually. Yeah. yeah. They are Scottish, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm picking Lynn Ramsey. Fuck yes. Who I fucking love. Mm, I love We Need to Talk About Kevin, and yes. You Were Never Really Here is the film fucking that Joker wishes marvelous. it was. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I think she's absolutely fantastic, um, and she's staunch Scots woman, which is mm-hmm. appropriate. Mm. And uh, yeah, she's absolutely fantastic. Um, I haven't seen some of her two earlier films, but those two films I I've absolutely seen. Ratcatcher. I remember that being fantastic. Yeah, I know Ratcatcher and Morven Color are the two other films. I've yeah. not seen those two, but I absolutely love. We need to talk about Kevin, and you were yes. never really here. So, and after she did, we need to talk about Kevin to great acclaim. She would have been able to land a role like this. I think. I think that's that's mm-hmm. definitely something you could. Have... Don't be too scared. Okay. Bring him back, Angus McFadden. That's fine. He's a good actor. As Robert the Bruce. That's fine. But he's not my main character. <laughs> he's that's that's an individual. That's fine. I'm also bringing back Brendan Gleeson as Hamish. Brilliant. I'm also bringing Brendan back Gleeson's Tommy fantastic. Flanagan as Morrison. Love Tommy Flanagan. So, didn't he take like two arrows to the chest in Braveheart? Did he? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I, I can't remember. I watched Braveheart a while ago. I can't remember. <laughs> they they all fucking we'll say die, don't they? Hamish, Hamish definitely better. survives. Hamish survives. Yeah, Hamish. That's the important bit. Hamish survives. Okay. It's fine. He gets better. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't worry. He got better. It doesn't matter. That's it's right, more I, than that to kill I, a Scotsman. I'm just ticking boxes. They're like, oh, hey, they're back. They're not main characters. No, no, this, no that's This is fine. just returning cast. That's <laughs> all good. It was more me thinking, oh, no. I, I, yeah, sorry. Do carry on. I apologize. doesn't matter. It's fine. Um, bringing back again Sophie Marceau playing oh, nice. Isabella of France and Peter Hanley playing Edward II. Interesting. Again, very interesting. In, in s- smaller roles, bigger roles. You'll you'll see. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I've got a hell of a new cast. It's <laughs> ready. Full of Scotsmen. Well, oh, and Scots ladies. Okay. Are you ready? I, I hope so. I might save the best till last. Have you guys seen it at all? Are you looking at it right now? I'm not looking at the no, screen. Not. No. Okay, I'll save the best till last. Lots of Scottish people, including. Karen Gillan playing the character okay. of Fear. Mm-hmm. Richard Madden playing Robert. Karen Gillan, you probably know from Doctor Who, Nebula in the MCU. Yes. She's uh-huh. also in the Jumanji sequels. Yep. Mm-hmm. She's the very tall ginger Scottish lady. Yep. Um, Richard Madden is Rob Stark in Game of Thrones. You mm. probably know him from that if you're going to know him from anything. He's going to be on internals and stuff, so he'll be. He is. Mm. Not just TV and so, so yeah, that, but he's a Scottish bloke, so yeah. yeah. He's already dead in Game of Thrones, spoiler alert for Game of Thrones from like eight <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Which nobody cares about. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. He's already dead, so he's available. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how that works. Unlike yep. Tommy Flanagan. <laughs> <laughs> His character is dead in another thing. That's fine. Yeah. Um, the character of Alistair is going to be played by Jack Loden. I who, like him a lot. You know, from Dunkirk. Uh, fighting with my family, seventy-one. Oh yes, he yeah. he plays the brother Zach mm. in fighting with he's, my family. He's one of the one of the other guys alongside. Yeah, uh, in in Dunkirk, he, he's in. Um, he's great. Mary Queen of Scots. Yes, he is. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and he's really good in Mangrove. Yeah, I like yeah. him. Uh, the character Ian is going to be played by Daniel Portman, 
who is Podrick oh. from Game of Thrones and oh, a few other things okay. as well. Yeah, um, charming bloke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Scottish I've seen him as well. in other stuff, and he's, yeah. he's charming. Yeah, he's a great guy. Mm. Um, our Irishman, you'll be pleased to hear, Matthew. Kieran, the crazy Irishman, yeah. crazy Irishman. Sure. Um, played by who, who's going to be a crazy Irishman in the 2010s? It's Robert Sheehan. How old of is the crazy? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you may Brilliant. know him. You may know him from Misfits, being a crazy Irishman, or yeah. Umbrella Academy, being a crazy Irishman. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's some good energy to bring there. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, speaking of Irishman, mm. character of Liam is going to be played mm. by Donald Gleeson. Oh, you may know from oh. you may know from X Machina. You may know from Brendan Gleeson's ball bag. <laughs> <laughs> you may know from Hamish's, as in his father in this film, <laughs> is his testicle. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, good actor. Okay, so that they're the kind of younger characters. That's the like. Next generation, if you want to, that was another sub, that was another subtitle I came up with was Braveheart: The Next Generation. I thought that was a bit on the nose. Brave, Braveheart: The New fun. Class. Gen- yeah, that, genuinely, shit like that. These are very nineties titles. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Bravehearts. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Dispenser the Younger. That is a name and title. That's a person. That is a person. Unfortunately, shit. All right. Um, played by a Hugh. Funnily enough, Hugh mm. Dancy, who you may know from. Oh. Hannibal. Oh, yeah. Will, yes. Will Graham in the Hannibal TV series. He's also in Black Hawk yeah, Down. He's, some, he's been in a bunch of other stuff. names here. Well, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a Braveheart sequel. Have, I'm sorry. I haven't, you can, I haven't you got can... to my lead actor yet. You'll, you'll find oh, out. Oh, shit. Yeah, sorry. That's, yeah. That's okay. going to be fun. Okay. Um, uh, a character called Roger Mortimer. Again. Mm-hmm. So Hugh Dispenser and Roger Mortimer. I'm starting to get to the hit actual historical people now. Yes. The other ones are fucking made up because it's Braveheart. <laughs> they were first name only. So, yeah. Hugh yeah. Dispenser the Younger is a real historical figure, as is yes. Roger Mortimer. He's been played by. I'm bringing back Jared Harris because I love Jared oh, Harris. He's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's great. makes sense. You know him from Robert the Bruce or Chernobyl <laughs> or Mad Men and loads of other stuff. He's he's brilliant. Yes. Um, character of Elizabeth de Berg, played mm-hmm. by Orla Brady. You may know from Orla The Price of Desire. Uh, she's in Picard. She's in The Foreigner. Um, Who's she in Picard? I don't know. I haven't seen Picard. I just oh, <laughs> Picard is not good. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a small part. Okay. Um, no, no, I get it. It's cool. It's cool. She's essentially Robert the Bruce's new wife. Again, real historical mm. figure. Blah, 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 sure. blah. And little flashback scene, kind of, kind of small cameos and stuff. I have a young mm. Isabella and a young Edward as well. Obviously, okay. I'm not, I'm not, I did think about flashing back to Braveheart, but I thought I'd recast them and do something mm. a bit yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. instead. Um, for young Isabella, I'm going for a young French actress, funnily enough, um, mm-hmm. who you may know from Blue is the Warmest Color, Adele. Exarchopolis. Exarchopolis. Mm. Yeah. I apologize I if I've mispronounced her name, but <laughs> she's, she's French Greek, isn't she? She is French Greek, correct. Yes. Um, yes. She is the one that's not Leah Sadu. She's the other lead yes. in Blue is the Warmest Color. Yeah. Yes. Um, which is where the I not The non blue one. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> she's the warmest color, not the blue yeah. one. Mm. Um, Did you say she's playing Isabella? Young Isabella, yeah. So this would be. J- yeah. So, yeah, a younger version of Sophie Musso, as in. Correct. Yes. But, but pre Braveheart, right? Ish around. The, uh, we'll the get to it. We'll get to it. Oh no! I'm, I'm just curious. Around about the same yeah. sort of time as Braveheart. I'll, I'll, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, just think and, about her age and things. Cool. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I've so there's a version of these notes where I have mm. everyone's ages and the characters' ages <laughs> lined, lined up with no, the, it's the fictional it's timeline of Braveheart. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Their real life actors' ages, like. Can I cast a 25 year old as a 22 year old? Yes, I can. Fuck it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then like. The age that they should be according to history, because yeah, <laughs> like three year old Isabella should be like fifteen, but she's three, but she's actually thirty. Oh my yeah. god! Got it, got it. Yeah. Anyway, 
The aforementioned, you mentioned the king earlier, Matthew. I'm getting a, a very young Timothée, a Chalamet. Oh, Ooh. fucking hell. Because 2015, he is very young, he is very new, and this is a very small part. Yeah, so, no, mm. he is not. He is not big. It's not the big, big thing deal. Yet. Sexiest man yeah. in the world, mm. Timothée Chalamet. Just yet. yeah. Get um, out of here, tiny horse. Exactly, exactly. And in the lead role, and right. it's a terrible name, but I'm keeping it because it's funny. Argyle. Oh, Argyle. Argyle. You better <laughs> right. believe it. I needed an Aussie. I've picked an Aussie. What the fuck? You heard me. Liam fucking Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs> you went with Liam. Yep. You went. You went. You you. <laughs> Chris, Chris is Chris is too you old. Had your choice and, of Hemsworths. Chris is too old and and also busy. <laughs> I'm not fucking touching Luke with a barge pole. He can He's be in fine. the background somewhere. He's fine. He's good in Westworld. So yeah, Ar- um, Argyle, my Argyle. one of my main characters. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. That make that, that, that's the kind of thing a film for t- would do. And he's probably big at that point because he's he's big but not too big. So he's done the Game of Thrones films and uh, sorry, Game of Thrones. What am I talking? Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Yes. What I mean, mm-hmm. the Hunger Games films, um, which he's not the lead in, but he shows up as a love interest and he's kind he's of, a prominent actor in it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah he's, he's he's the snack she should end up with. <laughs> yes, he <laughs> is. there's chemistry between those two. Ga- Gail is way cooler than the other character's name, and they had to make him a Walker and all to Red, make him not Red like Boy, him whatever yeah. his name was. Um, yeah, <laughs> and he's also Peter. Yeah. Peter. He's also in a previously sequelized Independence Day Resurgence, <laughs> which is around about this sort of time. So, is this around the time of uh, the um, fucking Wolverines? Uh, the um, Wolverines Red Dawn remake. Uh, yes, it is. Um, Red Dawn it's after Red yeah. Dawn. Yeah. Let me have a quick look. Were you at all it tempted to cast uh, Larry Hemsworth? <laughs> is there Were a fourth told- Hemsworth? Were you tempted to cast Matthew Francis Nolan? <laughs> oh wait, no. you couldn't. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is uh, he was in oh, the first Hunger Games in 2012. Yeah. Red Dawn is um, also around that I mean, sort of time as shit, well. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he shows up in Expendables two. He's in the Hunger Games again. Yeah, Independence Day Resurgent is the following yeah. year in 2016. He's a bit of a name, but he's not huge. He's not his brother, Ooh, basically. Actually, I do want to check something. It's not important, but I'm curious. Ah, yes. Interesting, interesting. What's that? <laughs> what? I wanted to see when uh, Snow White and the Huntsman came out, where <laughs> Chris Hemsworth has a Scottish accent. Oh, wow. <laughs> and gets told off, and he's like, well, it's just a celtic kind of thing. You know, it's not really an exact accent. It's just a, you know, it's, it's inspired by, you know, it's, it's a fantasy <laughs> world. It's not meant to be exact. I did. I did fine. It's like yes. Just I did fine with that Australian accent just now. So, so basically, what I'm saying is the Hemsworth genetically can do a acceptable ter- Scottish terrible accent. Scottish accent, which is canon on brand with Mel Gibson <laughs> being terrible at doing Scottish accents. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm 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 really excited by this. I'm I'm on board. I, mm. As you very, can tell, very interesting. I'm leaning into the brave heartiness of it all. Yeah, it, it <laughs> and not doing it. deadly serious bloke in a hut for four hours. And I think you, these names do feel very mm. big now, but in 2015, that's the thing. Mm. Yeah, I think. So and I think the, you've got nobody's a good mix. fucking heard of Timothy Chalamet yeah. like five years ago. Lobby wouldn't turn down Lynn Ramsey doing a fucking Braveheart too. But mm. I think that's yeah, that's, I think that's yeah. good. That's my plan. Uh, Matthew, to address your curiosity, uh, Orla Brady yes. is the uh, she's the like Romulan housekeeper where Picard has two Romulan people who hang out on oh. his uh, his vineyard. She's, she's the female acceptable. one. She's one of the very few things that are fine, if I remember correctly. That's fine. Yeah, Picard is not good. 
I've heard as much, thought, and that's why I thought I've not it was watched it and watched fine. Discovery instead. Tim, it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> Take it from the man who sort of wrote Star Trek V. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I was, I gave it a lot of chances, and every episode it made me more and more and more angry. I was so excited, <laughs> and you've really put me off. Have you not seen Picard? Not at all. Not a second. Don't bother. That's why I haven't bothered. I've been watching Discovery instead. It's boring as fuck. I like and Discovery. It's stupid. So fuck it. That yeah, is sorry. my cast in total. Some oh, returning okay. cast, some new cast, some younger faces, some older faces, some familiar faces, and everything in between. Mixture of Scots, Irish, and Aussie, as as the Braveheart sequel was intended. <laughs> Are we ready for the? Pitch? I do. I love the. I'm ready. I'm good. Of, of sticking a sticking an Aussie in there. I think that's very thematically amusing. No, no, I think, and I think, to be fair, Hemsworth visually works. He's got he's a, a big point. tan bloke who mm, doesn't with fit in with the bunch of bunch of Scots. I'm going to ask a question that may come through in the plot, but I'm asking now because it's a visual aesthetic. Yes. Are they wearing tartan? How many dicks are in this? Because we know there needs to be a few dicks to make it work. I mean, is this R-rated? Is what I'm kind of getting. I'm at not here. saying that there's a lot of handsome men in my. My pitch, but there's a lot of handsome men in my pitch. Yeah, I wouldn't say no to seeing their penis. penis out. Um, no, well, yeah, I'm, seen, I'm sure we've seen Robert Sheehan's penis somewhere, right? <laughs> Must have is done. is this going to be an, an, an like again like a 15 R rated film like Braveheart was, yes. or are you going to go for more of a PG 13? Okay, I would okay. I would aim for a 15, and then the studio would probably tell me not to, and then blah blah blah. The American yeah. equivalent is an R rated thing. Yeah, okay, got it. Thing number because I think I don't think you'd have actually much of a fight there because. Game of Thrones is the biggest TV thing in the world right now, so I think you're, I've got at, at that point a in time, third of the cast of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so I think I think you're right there. My only other question is: Are you also going full historical inaccuracy with kilts and bagpipes and shit? Yes, good. So you're leaning into that fucking shit. Entirely. It's a I think sequel you kind of have to. to Braveheart. Yeah, <laughs> okay, okay. And I will put this out now. Ready, history buffs and historians. This is a sequel to Braveheart. <laughs> this is not historically accurate. This is not Robert the Bruce trying to reclaim historical accuracy from a fucking fairy tale that is Braveheart. <laughs> I am doing a sequel so, to a film that ignores history. I'm, you... I'm looking forward to the part where the big Scottish dragon swoops down and <laughs> carries so, on. I was so tempted. Edward the one, Confessor. One, one thing I was really, really tempted to do, and we joked about this, because mm. it's the season of crossovers, is have Highlander show up. <laughs> Fuck it. I didn't. Oh. I was so tempted to do it, and it turns out that like William Wallace was a fucking... <laughs> you know, he cut his head off and there was a quickening. Yeah, he, exactly. <laughs> and he suddenly transforms into lightning for no reason. Mm. Yeah. I was very tempted no, to do some bullshit like that. I, I, I'm I on some bullshit for this one, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but not quite that level of bullshit. Yeah. No, I, think, still I think you kind Earth. of have to have that continuity in a weird way. Of in, in the same way that when I did for my 300 prequel, it's like, it's a Zack Snyder film. That's I don't the thing. care what they... I mean, I've, yeah. I've got a bit of the history here somewhere, but most of it's just like, ah, eh, fuck it, this is this works better. Same here, same here. I get that, I get that. I've, I've been there, I get it. <laughs> so, let's dive into... And I'm not married to the title. If you want to do, you know, the next class or the next generation once you've heard the pitch, feel free <laughs> to change it. I'll, yeah. I'll have a think. I think <laughs> Braveheart, I... <laughs> I did try to think of like how do I get freedom into the title just to be fucking <laughs> just nail it on the head Braveheart more freedom <laughs> fading through the mist the camera swoops through the air with the expected bagpipe soundtrack in the background 
<laughs> We're going straight away. It's highlands, it's mountains, Mist, it's bagpipes. Highlands, yep. Straight away. We descend onto two young men sparring with swords. Argyle, the taller and broader of the brothers, is skilled with a sword, but Robert is more experienced and disciplined. Robert begins teasing Argyle, his faster movements allowing him to dodge and frustrate his younger brother. Robert the Bruce, their father and reigning king of Scotland, tells the boys off for sparring so hard the day before Argyle's wedding. The two young men apologise to their king and begrudgingly shake hands before following him into his hall. In England, Edward II, now king after his father's death 20 years ago... There's the timeline for you. Thank you. (laughs) ...is arguing with his wife Isabella and her very ginger baby. (laughs) (laughs) The, the The king's popularity has worn off over the last decade and his relationship with Isabella is strained beyond repair. Based on Isabella, real history, there you go. Yeah. Isabella screams at Edward about how he has prioritised his friends and lovers, lovers, over everything else, his wife, his children, and his country. She storms out as Edward's companion, Hugh, comes running in to comfort him. Lastly, we see Isabella fleeing England, boarding a boat back to her home country of France. Gathered in the hall are the groom's party, the sons of William Wallace's group from the first film. Liam, Hamish's son, Hamish's son? Because Donald Gleeson is Shun. Brendan yeah. Gleeson's son, so he's yeah. playing his son. But he's Scottish. So he's playing like, a Scottish man. Yep, yeah, yeah, I'm doing that like Scots. Well. Yep. Yep, yep. Sure, sure. Uh, Kieran, Stephen of Ireland's son. Oh, okay. Cool, the, mad, cool. the mad Irishman again. Mm-hmm. That, I, yeah. I thought I was being facetious earlier, but yeah. good work. Uh, Alastair, Morrison's son. Which is Tommy Flanagan's character from the first one. And Ian, Campbell's grandson. Which is James Cosmo's character from the first one. Cool. The men all greet each other with hugs. Liam, Kieran, and Alistair having just returned from a battle to reinforce one of the border clans against the English. Robert reminds them all to be on their best behaviour tomorrow as their fathers and the women will be joining them in his son's wedding. They all erupt in cheers at the mention of Argyle's upcoming marriage, punching him in the arm and lifting him up. It's a bunch of fucking lads, isn't it? <laughs> Toxic masculine Scotland initiality. <laughs> Robert calms them once again before telling them that they will have a few days to celebrate before travelling south for a few months. The next day, Argyle and Fear complete their hand-fasting ceremony, becoming man and wife. The old wrapping of stuff. Yep, yep. We see a softer side of Argyle as they each repeat the vows, I will love you my whole life, you and no other, forever, in a bad Scottish accent. <laughs> I mean... Apart from Kieran Gillen. Kieran Gillen? There you go, that's what the Freudians <laughs> live in. Comic book writer Kieran Gillen shows up yes. <laughs> as, as a bald Englishman in a ginger wig playing Liam Hemsworth's Luke's, Luke's wife. <laughs> Later, there is an enormous celebration hosted by King Robert where we see many familiar faces from the first film, including Hamish, Stephen of Ireland, etc., etc., as well as Robert's queen consort, Elizabeth, who I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. The men compete in traditional Scottish games and, of course, a hell of a lot of drinking. Do people, do people throw boulders? Yes, there's lots of throwing boulders and then throwing <laughs> small boulders at the, other people's logs. faces and then, ah, you big bastard <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Yes. There's even a contest where Fear is able to show off her incredible archery skills while out-drinking many of the male contestants. It's fucking <laughs> brave. Yeah, she, she's Scottish. She's, a, she's tough. The night ends with Argyle and Fear collapsing into bed together. Right, question. Hello. Now, obviously... Jack has written this. That's me. Tim Matum. <laughs> they fall into bed together. Is this then a fucking scene? You better or believe is it, it just, is. It is. I've it's cast a, some good looking scene. people for a reason. Good. Oh. I, I just wanted, I'm just curious. 
This may may good was the penis quota. Who knows? Mark, mark it on the list. That's the tally of Jack's first sex scene right there. <laughs> okay. Time for horny Jack, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> horny for the Scots and their freedom. <laughs> Nothing gets Let me hornier free than freedom. My little beastie. <laughs> Argyle and his crew prepare to head south. Robert, Argyle's older brother, protests after hearing that Fear plans to join them, teasing him about not wanting to leave his new wife so soon. Robert turns to the others for support, but they all fall silent as Fear arrives with a bow and quiver at the ready. Argyle laughs, telling his brother that he's welcome to say that Fear can't come, but they'll have to say it to her face. He points over Robert's shoulder to Fear as she fires an arrow inches past her brother-in-law's ear into the bullseye in a nearby target. Group cheer Fear, tease Robert, and begin their journey. Now, I've got one very quick question. I apologise. Is this also a sex scene? <laughs> and can it be? <laughs> there's there's a lot of suggestion with the arrow hitting the bullseye. And, you That's know, right. That kind of I'm like, yeah. I'm like I, it's very much the kind of thing I'd expect in this sort of thing. So, And it's very brave hearty. So, yeah, cool. Yep. As soon at the moment that uh, Fear hits the bullseye, you just hear Liam Hemsworth go, Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Leave a bullseye? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they called it back in the day. Fucking hell. In a montage. I mean, like, <laughs> Sorry, Carol. In a montage of months passing, we see Edward learns of Isabella's departure and grants more power to Hugh, his right hand man and lover. Rumours of English lords revolting against the failing king are beginning to grow. In contrast, Robert, the King of Scotland, has been winning battles and completing great diplomatic achievements, including having his excommunication lifted by Pope John the Twenty Second. Do we who who's your fun who's fact? Your, who's your Pope casting? Oh, good question. Um Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Um <laughs> he was excommunicated for killing John Coman. That's yes, that's the, in the, a church. the, the murder of John in the yep. church, yeah, and all that kind of shit. So there you go. Ties into Robert the Bruce, but not boring. <laughs> Lastly, Argyle and his crew finally reach Hadrian's Wall after a difficult autumnal journey, heading further south into hostile territory. Sounds like Mad Max Fury Road. Pope's there going, Do not become addicted to water, fellow Scots. <laughs> He's going, Mediocre. <laughs> Estimate. <My> property. <laughs> Robert and Argyle are stood in the hall of a northern lord. That's northern England, obviously, trying to negotiate their support against Edward II in London. Unfortunately, neither of them is as diplomatic as their father. Argyle is passionate, trying to inspire rebellion and courage in the local lord's men, but it falls on deaf ears. The lord says he's unable to swear allegiance to Scotland, but he has heard rumours of other lords planning an uprising against the king. He offers them respite for one night in a nearby barn, but they shouldn't stay here for too long. Dejected, the brothers depart for that night's accommodation. In the night, Fiora is woken by a noise outside the barn. She wakes her husband and points to a moonlit silhouette in the rafters. Fucking ninjas. Fucking ninjas, <laughs> the, am I right? The attacker leaps at them. Argyle managing to block the attack with sheer strength. This is a big Aussie bloke. Fucking rabbit. <laughs> Mate. A struggle ensues, but the Scotsman is clearly the superior fighter, defeating the assailant with his bare hands. He shouts to wake his fellows as the other assassins pile into the barn. A tough fight ensues with the band of Scots eventually coming out on top after the attack. Feeling unsafe and having failed their diplomatic mission, the group begin their retreat to Scotland. 
It is a Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get what we want. Time to come back and find the water where it was all along. Yep. Scotland. Either that or it might be uh, the Phantom Menace. I'm not sure yet. No, you and McGregor. I did think about you, McGregor. Make yeah. him the Pope. I've, the, my other document just has a list of Scottish actors. <laughs> <laughs> like, where can I put Alan Cumming in here? Where can I put you and McGregor in here? What about David? I did have David Tennant in there a couple of times. <laughs> sure, all, all kinds of stuff. Where can I put Christopher Lambert? <laughs> <laughs> Famous Scotsman Christopher Lambert. <gasps> Make him the fucking Pope. That's brilliant. Oh, yes. oh, 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 now we're talking. <laughs> I will remove your excommunication. <laughs> but at the price, Mr. Bruce. It's not Mr. Bruce. It's Is the that Bruce. Pope French Whatever. at that point? I hope so. Kiss my ring. <laughs> There can be only one Pope. <laughs> Apart from the film Two Popes, where there are more than one Pope. The Two Popes is the sequel, like the two takes. <laughs> yep. That is brilliant. We've gone down a dark hole, but this is we're very Anthony tired. Hopkins and that other <laughs> pillar of acting. Christopher <laughs> Lambert. And, when, and then uh, they, Anthony Hopkins. And I'm Christopher Lambert being the Pope. And then they have a they have a fight with katanas in a parking lot. Oh, that's my how God. it happened. That's how you picked the new pope. We didn't yeah. know. Now we know. We've uh, assembled the cardinal <laughs> of college. That's, that's college smoke of cardinals. coming out of the chimney is the quicker. The quickening. Quickening. That's what I was about to say. Brilliant. <laughs> it's all the lightning from the quickening, creating all that smoke. <laughs> they must enter the conclave to decide who will be the next pope. They lock the doors. No one goes inside. It's very secretive. <laughs> shing, shing, shing. <laughs> there can be only one. God, I should have done a crossover. I'm guided now. <laughs> this, this is this is it. I think I, I think you have to put him as pope. I'm sorry, that's canon in my so head. It's now. canon. Braveheart so colon pope. <laughs> <laughs> During their journey back, they're caught between the armies of two northern English lords. We overhear rumours from the English about how Isabella has fled to France, but has returned with the support of a previously exiled English lord, Roger Mortimer, to unseat her husband. Unrest is present in England, with allegiances being formed broken across counties. Argyll and his group are literally caught in the crossfire of this battle, assuming at first that they have been identified. As the two sides clash, Argyll's group employ guerrilla-style tactics to avoid the central conflict. The skilled Scots manage to fend off the attackers and escape. Robert suggests that his newly formed force against Edward II could be possible allies to their father. In London, anarchy reigns. Oh, fuck off. Anarchy reigns. How dare you? How dare <laughs> you, sir? London's always been a pillar. It hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> this is wording from a historical article. No, I was that, that feels accurate at the time, yeah. Edward II was not a popular man. No, fuck no. In London, anarchy reigns. The public are revolting. Hey, the public are finally, revolting. something we can agree on. <laughs> There's the chicken wrong reference for you. Yeah, love it. The public are revolting against the crown due to years of famine and unsuccessful wars. Edward, Hugh, and his closest allies are holed up in the Tower of London. Again, historically accurate. No, oh, yeah, that, that, that sounds familiar. I wasn't there. <laughs> Trust me. Familiar. Isabella and Roger's armies have unleashed a civil war upon England, tearing through Edward's fragile kingdom. What? That sounds remarkably sexual. While Edward attempts to issue a rallying nationalist cry to his people, Hugh comes up with a plan for their escape. To head west to the relative quiet of Wales. Fucking Michael Sheen. Better be in there somewhere. Edward, realising that his speech has fallen on deaf ears, eventually agrees, suggesting Caerphilly Castle as a possible refuge and, under guard and disguise, they begin their escape from London. Surprisingly historically accurate, sort of. Mm, no, I think that's actually yeah, very that, that all sounds... anti-Braveheart. Yeah. 
they he does flee to Carefully Castle, but then he's like captured and relocated or something in some other castle. But uh, classic. I yeah, simplified yeah, yeah. it a little bit. No, nope, that that's that's a film for you. That's good. Robert approaches a commander on the anti-crown side of the battle, claiming to be reinforcements from Scotland against Edward's men. They're losing the battle and are desperate for help, so the commander doesn't question the Scots' intention. Robert, Argyle and the others engage in a brutal battle and sway the tide in their favour, helping the rebels win. After the battle, the English celebrate the addition of the small but powerful group of allies and tell Robert and Argyle, as sons of the King of Scotland, to meet with their leader, gesturing towards a nearby guarded hut. Inside the hut, Robert and Argyle are greeted by Isabella and Roger Mortimer. The young men begin to introduce themselves, but Isabella quietens them both, reassuring them that she knows who they are. Sons of the great King of Scotland. She asks if they both know the tales of the great William Wallace. They scoff. Of course they've heard the legendary tales from their father before. Finally, she asks if they know that William Wallace had a son, leaving them both confused. She holds her stomach and confirms that she carried William's child to term. She smiles at Argyle, saying how much he looks like his handsome father. Oh! The Aussies is an Aussie. Oh, <laughs> doing a fucking crouching tiger. <laughs> <laughs> we have a flashback scene using new footage. Like I said, Obviously it's, new it's, it's, stuff. It's, yeah, it's it's the flat. It's the young actors I mentioned earlier. Yeah, flashback, but not flashback to Braveheart. It's the Timothy Chalamet. It is. Show. It's it's, it's a, the Adele it, Timbo time. Yep. Yeah. Flashback to one of the final moments of Braveheart. Isabella telling long shots about her pregnancy. We see a young Isabella claiming to have miscarried her first child and Edward screaming at her for not giving him an heir. Isabella sends the baby to Scotland, away from Edward, to be raised by the new King of Scotland, Robert the Bruce. His identity has been hidden all this time, but fate has finally brought Argyle back to his mother. Dun, dun, dun. You bastard, quite <laughs> literally. Yeah. She embraces Argyle and he hugs her back, crying as they finally reunite after 20 years apart. Isabella tells of William's death and torture by Longshanks, and points the blame also at his son. She explains her relationship with Roger, and their plan to move south to claim the now vacant throne in London. Roger mentions that he has heard a rumour that Edward escaped London alive, and is now cowering at Caffelli on the Welsh border. Their army can't split themselves across both the east and west, but a small band could potentially infiltrate the castle and exact revenge. Isabella hugs Argyle one more time, before he departs for Caerphilly Castle, promising to see her again. Caerphilly Castle looms as the group of Scottish guerrillas arrive. They swim through a moat and scale a wall, surprising the guard at the top. There's your little Michael Sheen cameo for you. He's going to be Welsh at the top. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love it. They quietly fight their way along the walls and through guards, eventually arriving in the main keep, where they presume Edward and his closest allies will be sleeping. But there's no sign of Edward, and they're caught by some guards and are forced to fight. Despite being outnumbered, the Scots manage to push forward. The group encourages the two brothers to go on ahead and proceed to a higher chamber. There they find Hugh and Edward, swords drawn, ready to defend themselves. Edward is no match for Argyle, but Hugh puts up a fight against Robert, managing to wound each other in the fight. The brothers work together and are able to disarm the king's companion, forcing him to surrender. Edward begs for his life as the Scotsman towers over him. He's so sexual. Um, but Argyle sheaths his weapon. <laughs> so sexual. Uh, yeah. Jack, were you horny when you wrote this? <laughs> Maybe, who knows? Okay, okay. Edward begs for his life as the Scotsman tower over him, but Argyle sheathes his weapon. Robert is surprised, assuming that Argyle was on a mission of revenge. William's son starts to break down, dropping to his knees. Argyle says they must break the cycle of revenge and violence. They are who they are because of their fathers, 
but that doesn't mean they must repeat their mistakes. Edward finally realises who Argyle is and breaks down as well. He thanks Argyle for sparing his life before Robert returns the room to reality, pulling his brother to his feet. Robert tells Edward to flee from England and never return. If he ever learns of him setting foot on this island again, he will greet him at the shore personally. Edward cowers and agrees to the terms laid out by the future King of Scotland. Robert puts his arms around his brother before telling him, let's go home. Roughly 700 years later? Fuck off. Give or take? (laughs) Oh my god. Politician is being confirmed as the new First Minister of Scotland. His name is Patrick Wallace. Played in a cameo by Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) Announcing that he will lead Scotland to independence and freedom once more. Just like his ancestors did many years ago. (laughs) Fucking hell. That was a bold close. (laughs) So I did... One of my original ideas was a simultaneous timeline of... The obviously this is now an alternate universe because well, yeah, the William Wallace, William children, Wallace yeah. and yeah, Acknowledged Isabella by did King not Edward. have did not have children. Um, of that we know. Yeah, exactly. That would have been Edward the third. Like Argyle and this would actually be Edward the third in real life, but the mm, timeline's yes. fucked, so it makes no sense. Yes. However, Isabella did have miscarriages, so I went fuck it. She faked a miscarriage. <laughs> secret William Wallace baby. Yeah. Um, also, the part where. Oh, um, him fleeing to Caerphilly and all that kind of stuff. The official record books state that mm, Edward mm, yeah. was killed there. He was captured, imprisoned, treated really badly. There's a poem supposedly written by him about how badly he was tortured and killed and all this kind of stuff, including sure. some very like um, anti-homophobic like homophobic stuff, like red poker up the arse kind of stuff because he was rumoured to be, you know, yes. have yes, male lovers and all this kind of stuff. A lot of people have disputed that and said that's probably not true. Somebody's made up this poem. Yes. There are also a lot of theories, kind of conspiracy theories, that he escaped to Italy. Okay. And there is a letter written by an Italian cardinal called the mm. Fieschi Letter, and it is supposedly confirming that Edward lived out the rest of his days Oh, cool! in Italy. And that is where I kind of twisted that ending to be like... I'm, yeah, doing, yeah, yeah. I'm doing the conspiracy theory mm. ending kind of thing. <laughs> as you've said, you've gone full brain. Nothing heart. in Braveheart is, as we've established, nothing is history. Yeah. Exactly. So this if doesn't anything, have to be. This is more historically accurate yeah. because of the yeah. sort of, yeah. it's the same level of historical accuracy. Like as we said, the, the battle, the battles that happen in Braveheart did happen, mm. but a lot of the people that were there were not there. Most of, you know, Hamish yeah, yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. Mm. fictional and stuff, obviously. So I've just kind of gone. I only Buckets. have really, really only two or three notes. Not enough sex. Well, no, no, actually, I, I really like sex. it. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's really good. I think because of the type of fighting that's going on, it's not as sweeping and 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 it, drawn it's out. not as epic. Yeah, no, mm, but that yeah. doesn't. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I think. I think. I think Lynn Ramsey would actually suit that better. I really I liked that. that. Was my the kind plan. of the that more guerrilla and the being trapped between two armies and not really being prepared for yeah. it. I think Lynn Ramsey would do better with that than she would trying to do big sweeping yeah. brave yeah, nailed it. Business. That's exactly yeah, what I was I think thinking. there'd be a lot of tension in those scenes. I think that's actually yeah again it's a difference but I think for a 2015 audience that works quite well. Um because all you get is you know we be we've seen too many big CG armies and shit. Yeah. Even things it'd like be, Troy 10 years prior and things so yeah, it'd be Lord I mean, of the Rings and Troy all over and, and not precisely. to mention I keep mentioning Game of Thrones is on TV yeah. at this point yeah. like they're doing big sweeping 
we see that all the time. So I went in yeah, for a little bit of a different. different approach, and that kind yeah. of is, as you said, Tim, that is kind of what influenced me to go for Lynn Ramsey specifically because she has mm. that much closer, more personal kind of style of filmmaking, and I think mm. that would work yeah. well for Argyle mm. and Robert's journey and a kind of like co like deuteragonist kind of kind of. I can role. I can definitely like them the 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 final sequence where they're infiltrating Kerfilly Castle. I mm. think she would make that kind of both incredibly tense and brutal at the same time kind of thing. Yeah, it would feel big because it's a castle with corridors and narrow things. And because you're uh, trapped into a narrow corridor, you can do, a, you know, 10 people looks like a crowd. It will look, mm. it will look very big. Yeah. I, I think you could do a lot with that. It'd be very interesting. So most of it's positive. I I'm, I don't know, and this isn't necessarily a, a, a criticism. It's, it's me trying to process it. If I was to watch this in 2015, I know 1995 Braveheart's so fucking all over the place in historical accuracy. I don't know if I'd be forgiving as a critic or an audience member saying, yeah, but I know it's bullshit. And 1995, mm-hmm. we wouldn't know any better. But I think I, I think if you just literally go in with the whole, like, it doesn't matter attitude, I think it would be fine. I think people would mostly go along with it. Um, and So I'm not saying, because at the end of the day, we're not trying to appease yeah. an audience. Well, like so I mentioned, like, The Outlaw King is not historically accurate. It, it no. tries in places mm. and, and in various points gets, you know, he was here at this time and had this battle yeah. and all this kind of stuff. But the actual accuracy of the battle were all over the place. The, yeah. the people die in different places, or this character wasn't there when that happened, all that kind of stuff. I know, I know, I'm good... off, I'm off the fucking deep end with this kind of stuff because no, 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 Braveheart yeah. is. But yeah, no, I but the Battle King is is a good comparison because it's got the similar sort of grounding and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But it, the grounding isn't necessarily a fucking textbook. It's going to yes. be a fun film, hopefully. And a lot of that That's is my plan is marketing as well. You know, they That's you know true. obviously. People, historians at the time knew that Braveheart wasn't historically accurate, but it's it's a question of like how you sell it, and also you know you if you're selling it as the sequel to Braveheart rather than it's got a, Braveheart in the title, which yes, matters yeah. to, to me. At yeah, least. that's true. Yes, you know rather than say, as actually, something that's that's rooted in you know 100 mm, percent history. Yeah, yeah. I, I do have a title for you, by the way. Oh, good. Um, I'll come back to that in a minute. My my main thing here, and this is something I'm like. Uh, that might have to go. Um, Patrick Wallace, the first minister of Scotland. I, that was a bit of a joke at the end. There. <laughs> oh, no, no, lie. I know. It's because, and the only it's, reason I'm thinking about this now funny. is because if you released this in 2015, a, it's a year, year after, after the Scottish independence vote. I'm aware of yeah. that, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would, would be uncomfortable. Have, you, have you noticed how anglophobic the first film is? <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. Because all, all the English people eat babies and fuck pe- other people's women. <laughs> I mean, it's like, no fuck English history, Scotland. So, <laughs> so, yeah. But no, that's not my, that's not my point. It's, it's more the idea of, and I'm not worried about the fucking English reaction. It's We're more stirring like, up rebellion. I don't mind. Again, stir away. I, I, I <laughs> support independent Scotland. But it, yeah, it's, it's more the idea, I think, that that last bit might leave a sour taste. Like we had this fucking thing. We're done with that. Stop. Bring- That's, That's something that would get cut by the focus groups. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the whole like, like, wait, you had this ending to this thing. But equally, what, what you said though about parallel, I thought we're an alternate concept, timeline where William Wallace has a descendant, and in theory could have descendants in the yeah. modern world. And obviously, this guy has then gone through and like traced his lineage. And like, as well, a, as well, a parallel, if you had like a Godfather Part Two. Set in both the past and the present, I fu- I that, I would love was, to see it. That was but my be orig- terrible. That was my original plan. My yeah. original plan was to kind of do like terrible extreme, like the thick Back of it, and, and also my brave heart. Yeah, that could be that could be genuine. Tell you what, if if you did that, I don't think 
I'm not saying you should, but I think if, if you did that, because I find that idea fascinating, Lynn Ramsey wouldn't work. You'd have to have Ridley Scott doing that uh, shit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought of, well, a direct, I couldn't find a director that would work with that kind of bouncing mm. back and forth. I did. Um, who's the guy who directed The Thick of It? Fuck it. Who's oh, uh, Armando uh, Nucci. Armando yeah. Nucci was the guy I thought of when I thought like, oh, I'm going to go mental and just do <laughs> the political stuff. I was like, I can't do that. Mm. I said I cannot make a Braveheart sequel it's, where it's, it's all just it's very, people in fucking yeah. boardrooms and stuff. <laughs> just like this is a this is a good Braveheart sequel to me. So I think you made the right choice. Well, the third one is that. See, I think what you should have is you should have it as it is at the moment with the with the Patrick Wallace ending. But then there's another scene after that that's set in twenty two seventeen where <laughs> Zambo Wallace, played by Luke Hemsworth, uh, is. <laughs> Counter invading Britain on his like uh, robotic in a mech. Yeah. yeah. Hey, now I'm on. There you go. <laughs> I knew they'd get him out on board. Tartan uh, mech. Yeah. So I did have that theory of doing like two different timelines, but I thought uh, I know a few people who listen to this will get a kick out of that. Just funny <laughs> like this is an alternate timeline. I did think of like I was looking. I know so much about the 2014 referendum now, so that I was looking into that. Where like <laughs> that, I had it where this is an alternate timeline where the 2014 referendum went yes, mm. independent. So like, no, that, I get it. Yeah, yeah. But he reveals himself as a descendant of William Wallace, and that unites the people of Scotland <laughs> to vote for <laughs> You know what we need? Oh, freedom! You know, freedom. Yeah, I think. Uh, and it's interesting because if you actually go on the Braveheart Wikipedia page, it has a whole section about how it influenced Scottish politics. It does, basically, yes. f- f- you know, from the nineties onwards. Um, but I think, I think balancing the to- trying to do that kind of cross time thing and balancing the tone right would be I, yes, That'd be you'd such have a to have struggle. You'd have to have a much more political Braveheart film, like the the kind of the the, the historical yes. aspect of it, mm, yeah. to mm. to make the which is a lot politics more of the Robert the Bruce standing in a hallway shouting at no yeah. woman. Yes. Yeah. Eating soup and Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, w- um, I went I went full balls to the wall fun bollocks. Yeah. No, no, I, 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 I think it was the right move to do. Yeah. I really like it. I like all the casting. Like, I think. Yeah. And it and it ties much closer to the original one. Yes. So yes. like I said, that was my main plan. It While feels also feeling, appropriate. Yeah, like a its own story. But equally we'd have to acknowledge that this is a film, I assume, that the makers and studio behind Braveheart say, we want to do another one, rather yeah. than one of the cast saying, yes, I want to do this. You don't get this. Yeah. is not co-written by Anders McFadden, <laughs> funnily, <laughs> funnily enough. What, Maybe what, Robert is, uh, what was your be. title you had in mind, Matt? Yes. Um, so my uh, suggestion is Braveheart, Sons of Alba. Um, Ooh, because like Alba is the old name, well, uh, for, a t- for a time... The Kingdom of Alba uh, mm. is the Kingdom of Scotland. Yeah. Or, or parts, most parts of it. And again, if we're going Braveheart, it doesn't actually need to be exactly accurate, yada, yada, mm. yada. But um, yeah, it's like, oh, like that. what's that mean? Yeah. It's like Sons of Scotland. And it also, Sons of Scotland, you think, oh, that must be obviously because they're Robert the Bruce's son. Mm. Oh, no, actually, it's because he's <laughs> William Wallace's son. Oh, I want to that. But Robert yeah. is still Robert's son, so they're still. Mm. Not, exactly. So it's Sons yeah. of yeah. Scotland, yeah. I think yeah. I think I would, uh, I would have liked to have seen a bit more of Duke. the. A bit more dick, and uh, I would have liked to have seen the dynamic between uh, Robert and Argyle explored a little bit more. We yeah. got a bit of that at the beginning, I and I imagine that that's yeah. that's the kind of thing that you know, as we always say, you have a limited number of words with a pitch, and it's the kind yeah. of, you know those yeah. are the kind of this things. This pitch but... clocks in at about eighteen hundred words to yes, put it to put exactly. it into perspective. So. Yeah, 
I, I would agree with Tim. I think, I think there's a lot of, and it wouldn't feel forced. I think there's a lot of opportunity in the script. There's lots of occasions you could easily do a lot of development that wouldn't feel forced or manufactured. Yeah. And, and it would be very easy to do. And to you guys know I love to do like a, a central character study that then you have the plot kind of revolving around my central character, like mm, I did yeah. with Jake in, in mm, sure, my, sure. my two Jakes return to a Chinatown mm. pitch and that kind of stuff. You get the the two main characters kind of bouncing off each other. And as much as Argyle is the star, Robert is getting basically as much screen time as mm. Argyle. They are mm. essentially yeah. never apart on screen. They are mm. they fight together, they're sleeping in that barn together, you know. Mm. When they go to negotiations, thank you, Matthew. When they go to negotiations with the lords, it's the two of them both representing their father and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. I think you would you would get more of that in the negotiations where Robert I see as more and again, Robert, the son of Robert the Bruce, is a real guy as well. Mm. And Robert II, mm. he would be more like more of a diplomat and more like mm. willing to compromise and stuff. Whereas Argyle is secretly William Wallace's son, mm. so he's going, <laughs> "We need freedom and independence." And I'm like so I said, headed. I kind of, <laughs> yeah, I mentioned that like he tries to inspire passion and stuff, and people mm. are like, "Yeah, that's not working, mate." And mm. and then Robert's like, ah, oh, but we could pay you and blah, 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 blah. And you kind of <laughs> yeah, see the different yeah, yeah, dynamics yeah. there the, of the two The of hot them. and cold different. No, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Why am I so tanned? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a foot taller than everyone else and I don't know why. Because <laughs> the Hemsworth are all like 6'4". Like. Yeah. And mad and short. <laughs> I think and you might be, And you get the, yeah. the, the natural kind of tension that you get of like, well, Robert's the firstborn son, so he's the he's the one Natural who's successor. And the yeah, natural yeah, successor. Correct. And then yeah. the sudden like, oh, but it turns out that you're the the hidden son of this big national hero who made our dad feel small when he ah. was yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no i think i think they i think you've got a really interesting yes in film here much much more so <laughs> than robert the bruce so it's a tad more action in in terms of dicks and fighting than yeah. robert, robert the, the bruce, bruce even acknowledged that robert the bruce had a fucking son no that's, that was another big Fuck problem. Sake. I think it does right at the very end. Yeah. He talks about his family and stuff. But like... I should get back to them rather he, than this he, fucking he, delicious soup. Yeah. He, ne- he never kneels down to Scott and he's like, oh, you remind me of Robert or yeah. David or one of my other 15 fucking children. <laughs> like, Robert the Bruce had quite a few children because every fucker had a million children back then. Yeah. Um, he has... See, his... His children bit on his Wikipedia is expandable. That's how many kids he had. <laughs> yeah. He had Marjorie, David, Elizabeth, uh, with Elizabeth, as I mentioned, um, Robert, and Niall, as well as cool. possibly some others. And, interesting thing, he was rumoured to have bastard children as well. Of course. So I would have I keep referencing it, I know, but Game of Thrones is obviously an influence hmm. here. He would essentially do the Ned Stark thing. And, and take him in as his own. Yeah, take yeah, Argyle yeah. in as his own. Like, he's a bastard mm. child of mine. Mm. Oh, whoopsie-daisy. And his wife kind of... Get on with like, it. That's how it was. Elizabeth done. never liked yeah. Argyle or his previous wife never liked because but Bruce had multiple wives. Surprise, surprise, he's a fucking king. But yeah, there would be some tension there between like... He he brought... It's it's the Jon Snow, Rob Stark yeah. dynamic from the yes. things and I've literally got Rob Stark, so you know. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. That's but fine. Yeah, I think that, that works. Kind of, there's, there's extra little details and tension there if mm. you're... Mm. Things that I can't convey... As we always say, things you can't convey in a pitch without it being 4,000 words yeah. and a literal fucking dialogue script or something like that. <laughs> mm. She looks at him disconcertedly. Like, you, that would just be yeah. not fun to read. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I like it. It's good. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. My Balls to the Wall Braveheart sequel 
is more interesting than Robert the Bruce, but it's a low fucking bar. It's yeah. got the right energy to it. It's got the right um, feeling and, and involvement mm-hmm. and cast. It's got a big, sexy Australian it. man in the lead, and that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Chris Hemsworth, Scottish accent coming back. Fucking hell. And I'm glad that there's no Mel Gibson fingers involved uh, Correct. in this one. No. I no did, cameos, I, no flashbacks. No. I, I did think about the Mel Gibson cameo, him being the politician at the end. But I Ooh. couldn't. I couldn't bring myself to put Mel Gibson in my film and be like, no. I, get it, "I get it." No, he said the N word. I can't have that guy in my film. Twenty fifteen yeah. is a bad time. Yeah, Mel that's a yeah, that's peak. Yeah, as peak much Mel as Hollywood Gibson seems a, keen to cunt. redeem him, I think. Nope. Mm. No, thank you. Yeah, I get it. Cool. Whipping through the season, we are. We're heading towards the Close, end. We closing are. to, to in on the We've end. One more mm. next week, and then the finale the following week. Are we excited, gentlemen? We know what's coming. Everything's exciting. It's 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 a lot because the next two are either something, both of them respectively, either something that you care passionately about the law, and if we get something wrong, we're going to get a lot of bullshit. We know <laughs> some people who are very passionate about a certain piece yeah, of law, or you don't give a fuck about either of them, and you don't <laughs> care about that. It's like, all right, cool. I'll watch it. I'll listen to it. That sounds interesting. But ultimately, it's like, for some fans, both this next one and the finale are going to be like, oh, you better not mess us up, boys. Mm. Yeah. Oh. That's and how some people talk. Also, that's me done for the season in terms of it pitches. Is. Yeah. So we'll find out next week who's got the who's got the penultimate and who's got the finale. Who's that? got what and what it is. Next yeah. week is possibly our most open to lit- uh, litigation uh, <laughs> that we'll ever have been. But we'll get into that next week. Well, on that note, you can follow us on all the social medias. We are Sequelizers on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can support us on Patreon. We're patreon.com slash Sequelizers. And go to Sequelizers.com for all the lovely links. You can find our Discord link. I've recently upgraded our Discord into a nice little community Upgrade. server. You get some uh, new features and stuff there. We're now hosting movie nights through uh, one of our friends, Remy, who's a really great guy, kind of organizing virtual movie nights through the Discord server. So if you want to... It's a very good fucking film. Yeah, yeah. Um, Doing like weird, what's the phrase, like public domain available Mm -hmm. things to Mm -hmm. stream and you all kind of link in virtually through a chat thing and and you all kind of chat together and watch the film together. It's a lot of fun and uh, I'm planning on joining, joining some in the future as well, so... We'll definitely get that involved, and it's a really mm. great community. Come and join us if you're on Discord. You can also go to our shop, buy our merch, buy our t-shirts, buy posters, and we're working on some new merch as well coming up later on in the year. Then you can find that all at sequelizers.com. Some big projects. Yeah, we've got some big, big plans. We're, we're talking some. We had a, a proper sort of company meeting the other day, and it's yeah. uh, it's very exciting. We I'm think we can get to Mars and sequelize <laughs> Earth on Mars. Um, we haven't got any actual money yet, but we've we've got we've got plans. Yeah, got, we're just gonna got plans. ask ask Elon Musk for some. <laughs> it's basically just we're gonna kidnap Elon Musk. Yeah. Exactly. And if anyone is angered by my cry of freedom for Scottish independence, you can hit me <laughs> up on social media. I am JLW Chambers on all the social medias. You can even hit me up on the Discord. Let's talk about it. this. Is gonna spark some debate in the Discord. I can imagine the pitches <laughs> yeah, yeah, always yeah. do. So uh, it's true. There's, there's passionate Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles people. There's going to be passionate people about Scottish independence. So this is going to be mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, Matt, how about you? How can people find you on the internet? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. And of course, I feel that the Scottish should remain under the yoke of the United Kingdom. How dare they try and leave? 
We are united kingdom, Matthew. How dare you? No, that's not what you happen. If you if you take some batteries that's and sellotape them together, that's... it's not how batteries work. That's how yeah, they're united work. with sellotape. <laughs> the sellotape is Boris Johnson. <laughs> I don't know. He it might doesn't be the... work. No, he's the one licking the batteries. Right. Um, Stogs, as I already said. Cheesebin.com for the things that I make and the redrighthand.co.uk for the things that I review. Uh, I'm, of course, being facetious, by the way, because kelp blood through and through so i yeah like independent scotland united ireland wales do you want it have it great england just suffer the consequences because you're being dicks and i should point out that will make me personally be- worse off so fucking ugh. but it's the right thing to do tim you're the right thing to do why can people do you uh you can check me out on OnlyFans slash secret no uh <laughs> i am trivia underscore lad and uh that is the hub for anything that I'm up to uh, in terms of interesting projects or whatever I've got going on um, or just uh, me retweeting uh, politics a lot of political discussion in the early stages of 2021 <laughs> a lot to discuss. a lot to discuss yeah well thank you very much for listening everybody we very much appreciate your support appreciate you listening whether you're reviewing us on various podcast platforms supporting us on Patreon whatever you can or just listening along we appreciate it either way we will be back next week with the penultimate episode of season seven. You better believe we've got some good stuff coming next week. We've got a finale the following week and then some interseason goodness coming up soon. Get excited, folks. Thank you much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.